Hey everyone, this is David, and on behalf of both Justin and myself, we wanted to start today's episode off with a short message. It's June 4th, 2020. We recorded this episode before the protests and the call for justice for not only George Floyd, but countless others. So much so that we wrestled with the idea of releasing anything this week. Ultimately, we wanted to use our platform to encourage people to listen to black voices, their stories, and their experiences. We have a silly show about a band we love that serves as a brief escape from the messes of the world, but it needed to be said that we stand with our black friends in the search for justice and equality, because black lives matter. With that, I hope you find many ways to be excellent to each other. You got a lot going on. I mean, you get a lot between between uh, researching with the pod, so much work, research. a lot work. of work kids family yeah man uh, mitigating just, the uh the temperature of my room versus the outside and <laughs> you, you i mean you put a lot of thought into that you've got I did. you've got I your had to uh, rush up there and open the vents back because <laughs> i realized that i closed their vent in their room <laughs> see it's like you you do something that's out of the norm and mm-hmm. this is like when i'm recording stuff here man it's, I, I try to record something i make one stupid change and it completely affects the next time we record or if I'm trying to play and yeah. record something as some other instrument here. Are you setting up a bit Silly. like you did last week where we have to like uh, 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 where you mess up the audio right there? Or you... <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But that, uh, you know, I think we've got this all ironed out. I, yeah. I referred back to my paper. Thank you to Sadie uh, Hawkins pod for that uh, tip about making. Oh, that, yeah. Making that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> But I've got, you know, you and me, we both have so much going on, man. And there's, I don't know. I don't know if you and I get a lot of free time, but sometimes I'll just sit there and I'll kind of just zone out in front of the computer. And, and Lindsay will walk up to me and just go, just Justin, hello, earth to Justin. She goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm just I'm thinking that's all. Ha, this is Jimmy E. Pod. <laughs> Yeah, that's man, good. what a kick-ass song for oh, it's this so good, album. Dude. It's such dude, a flex a... to open their album this good. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Man, Static Prevail. So imagine this. So we, we've we just come off of our – we've just recorded our Patreon episode for uh, the very first Patreon episode that we're putting out talking about K-Rock and, and the, its influence on the band. So – I listen to this band for the first time, Lucky Denver Mint. That's what I hear. That's what I record. And then I reach out to my buddy, Eric. I said, hey, look, I'm the Weezer head. You're the Jimmy Eat World head. Tell me, show me something uh, about this band. And he gives me Static Prevails. And imagine me putting the, his disc into the CD player and listening to this song start it off. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, those, what would you even those, think? <laughs> kind of like a like these dueling, not even dueling, but they're just two guitars going, bang, gang, gang what i mean what a kind of like in your face yeah it's very dissonant at the beginning i don't know what to call yeah. those chords but yeah they they are dissonant yet they work together i don't i don't get it yeah and i think it's a matter of uh you know i didn't look at the tab for this if there was even one that existed but i think it's one of those where uh and, and they've done this in other songs where one one guitar will go down a couple notes and the other guitar will either stay that's what i was gonna say is like one's going up the scale one's going down the scale i feel like exactly and yeah. then they go up to go meet at that root note or the, the the final note yeah and but one goes up when the other one goes down and when they're just slamming the guitar um strings that's what you get is this uh is the first few bars of thinking that's all 
Yeah. Damn. It's so it's I imagine like Jim uh, Jimmy World uh, Tom DeLonge is always talking about like Fugazi and stuff like uh, being the inspiration for Boxcar Racer. But I think it's songs like this that sound more like that frenetic energy that Boxcar Racer had in some some ways. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm mad at Tom now for not saying that. And you know what? I I, I feel like I've uh, I'm doing you a disservice by not listening to I haven't listened to Boxcar Racer more than I mean, when they when they changed to that that band i think there was one song that they had played on the radio that i'd listened to but it's not know, even the th- best song on that re- record but yeah right and i it, i feel like i haven't even given them a chance yet given them a chance oh that's okay we'll do and a they, patreon episode about it there we go and and yeah, we could also so do a patreon episode because you were talking on the discord about the lost weezer album yet it's been released or something so i gotta listen to that yeah, and I think what happened was they they sort of like it was a pseudo release where they said, "Look, we've got all this stuff. We're never going to re-record it." And then a lot of the fans put together artwork, um, reassembled uh. them on on YouTube so you can listen to it in its entirety. Uh, but I don't know if the band ever officially said, "Hey, look, this is going to be it." But well, I want to listen. They, they to took it. what they had. Yeah, it's worth a listen. It's very short. I mean, it, it's 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 a it's like an album's length, so maybe thirty minutes at the most. Cool. Yeah. So we got this first song um, on Static Prevails, released July 23rd, 96, Capitol Records, produced by Wes Kidd, Mark Trombino, and the band itself. And Craig Aronson served mm-hmm. as executive producer. Now, wasn't Craig Aronson the guy, the A&R guy that like kind of signed them to Capitol? Yes. Okay, so yeah. he must have signed so he was them the to one Capitol that... and sort of oversaw it. Like, okay, let's make sure you guys like do a good job. <laughs> Right. And he's going to be featured a lot in, uh, you know, I mentioned Eric Grubbs a lot, but in Eric Grubbs new book, he's going to have a big part in this just because of uh, his role in the in the music industry and, and getting these bands um, together and, and, and focused and into what, you know, the big bands we know today. Yeah. So Craig Aronson, yeah, definitely has a, a place in this. Uh, so, yeah. And this is coming off of Jimmy Eat World. So, yeah, this is their first official in, in Jimmy Eat World canon. This is album one, right? Yes. This is, according to Jimmy World of 2020, their first album. Right. And uh, I, I, I took a, you know, a nice little stop over at Song Meanings, and I came across a comment from, you're going to like this, uh, Cheshire Ranch 182. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> In August, uh, yeah, August 3rd of 2002. Well, what can I say uh, to express my feelings for this song besides, yeah. But seriously, folks, I know. I really wish you kids would stop playing your music so damn loud. You're making my nipples fall off. I don't know how much longer they'll be on sale at Kmart. I can't afford constantly buying new ones. So just give me some root beer and we'll call it even. Um, I don't know why I highlighted that one. That was the only. (laughs) (laughs) Just a wrong headed ass opinion. Yeah, I put down why people got to be so honest. And maybe they were just. I don't know well, why I put that in It was 2002. There. They're uh, they're very performatively flexing their Blink 182 knowledge, their 2002 right. Blink 182 knowledge by calling each calling themselves Cheshire Ranch 182. 182. Yeah. So they probably don't listen to anything from Enema on because uh, <laughs> they think that that means something. Um, so, and then if you're gonna say eh to this song and yell at, yeah, talked about kids yelling yelling at kids to get off your lawn i don't know this kid get off my lawn that's what i have to say right and you know what black salvation comes back um i saw there what is that is that that is one of the usernames we've uh, we've seen before yeah and it had it yeah it was so 
The Black Salvation showed up on Garbage Picker and Firestarter. Whoa, Black Salvation, uh, come on the pod. And this one, I know. You know, I wonder all these different uh, I'm gonna make usernames. a Patreon note. We got to um, do a Black Salvation deep dive. Dude, we were reading, um, or I was reading uh, from the Discord, the comments that people were talking about uh, soundboard quality from back on the message boards when they were they were talking oh, yeah, about uh-huh. recordings from that, right? And I'm wondering, you know, they said, hey, this is my username back on the message boards. What the different stages were if if the Black Salvation was on the message board, mm. if they're on the Facebook, if they're if they're considering coming on the Discord, if they're on the subreddit, I'd love to know who that person is. So they commented in 2008, July 22nd, so quite a while after, right? This is uh, um, this is uh, 12 years after, right? In my honest, non-joking opinion, Jim singing about his little brother or cousin. Play your hand. Don't play it off. Don't play that game. He's trying to play a game, and his brother's not taking it serious. Hmm. A little too literal. Uh, little brother keeps nagging at him because he was late to finish finish his or late to his first cello suite, and the little kids <laughs> tend to walk. That is slower. such a weird lyric. I know, right? Uh, smooth the sheets. No one was here. His mom makes him make his little brother's bed. Uh, maybe it was the fact that Black Salvation came back on and, and commented. I don't necessarily know if I agree with them. Uh, because the lyrics are a little strange. They are. Uh, they start off with. It's kind of a cool introduction. Play your hand. Don't play it off. Don't play that game. Right. So play your hand. Do, tell me what you're going to tell me. Right. Give mm-hmm. me what, what is this? You came home late. Give me your story. Don't play it off. We're going to do this right now. I don't want you to be you know joshing around. We're yeah. going to argue. Joshing. Don't play that game. <laughs> joshing, man. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so I have a comment in here. <laughs> Player hand. So had it not been for my wife, I would have not known about the hand in like playing a hand of cards. What? I never played cards, man. I That's guess, never a... but I feel like I still would know that term. Okay, so play your hand. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, uh-huh. But yeah, play yeah your hand. show your cards. Tell me what's up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah do, do it. Tell me. Um, and then out of touch, there is no pride. And I have here marked down, I have crossed out four. There is no pride for seconds lost. Mm. I think that was on the demo because on the album, uh, Jim says there is no pride in seconds lost. That's so funny. I played them so much and I don't think I came across that. Do you have the demo? I can uh, copy the link for it and send it to you if you want to take a listen. If you want to, I've got, um, yeah, give me the demo because I've got the 2005 recording and then I've got the... uh, yeah, that's the one. Okay, I've got that. I'll play that. I have that in here. Let's listen to it. That's right there in the beginning. Yeah. Dude, David. Yeah. David, you're what? not gonna fucking believe this. What happened? I, ha- I haven't been recording. Oh, that's so tight. I have. So now we'll just plug you in right here. Hey, everybody! Welcome to both of our microphones <laughs> on Jimmy Eat Pod. <laughs> and then you right. play the intro music again. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm gonna get. Um... Let's do this. I'm going to go ahead and just play the the demo from here. Okay, here we go. Yeah, you hear it there? Yeah. There is no pride for seconds lost. Only in the demo. They changed it to there is no pride in seconds lost. 
We must have had somebody come in and say, this that? doesn't Wet? make sense. <laughs> Who did that? Wes Kidd or Mark Trombino? <laughs> right. This makes no sense. Uh, in fact, actually, when he was saying if in, in Seconds Lost, or I thought he was saying uh, in Satan's Loss. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I heard Satan in there. I like the idea of four seconds lost because it could be the number four. Right. Yeah. But maybe that was confusing in the (laughs) studio. And they're like, why don't you just change it to in seconds lost? So it is interesting because at the end of verse two, it is four seconds lost. We can't go back for seconds lost. There is no pride in seconds lost. Maybe it's more grammatically correct to say there's no pride in seconds lost. Can't go back. Exactly. And I think that's what it was is they went back. And they looked at it and said, hey, look, if we're going to tighten this up, we're going to make this so it's grammatically correct. Uh, there is no pride in. You can't have pride for something. You have pride in something. Mm. And then uh, Jim rolls his eyes and says, yeah, sure, whatever. Let's do it. Right. And then changes that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they do a cool thing. They do uh, a double time jump into verse two right there. Right. Yeah. It sounds like a completely like. It's like, is this the chorus? What is this? But yeah, I right. love that. I love, I love reinventing a verse to make it sound fresh, because not many bands will. I mean, not. Uh, it, it's you would think the most common song structure is like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. Right but to go verse, verse, chorus is pretty interesting. Yeah, and then they do the double. They do the double time into it, and yeah, it is an odd line to come into first cello suite. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily agree that this is a a literal description of. A, <laughs> I don't know, a, man. It's a, the only thing uh, that makes that line make sense. <laughs> right. I mean, you could really look at the first cello suite. If it's if your first cello, you're going to be the one that leads your entire cello oh, section. Oh, dude, you're getting technical. You're like first right? chair cello. I was thinking right. like the first. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, like, I guess your first, like, recital, like. Yeah, may, and maybe that's what it is. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it goes to this is an important moment regardless of uh, someone's performing either solo or it's, it's like, the first one. It's, like, their initial cello suite. So you, you can't miss this. Um, and then uh, understanding, hey, look, I know I'm late. What do you care? You know, again, it seems kind of like he's just done with this. Playing your hand, don't play it off, don't play that game. They're not they're not being nice. There is no understanding yeah. here. It's kind of like whatever. You know what? I know I'm late. What do you care? Yeah, he's right? so he's so salty. Exactly. Right? Now, when he sings I know I'm late, did that make you think anything when you heard his voice there? I know I'm late. Um, oh, no, he goes, no. I know I'm late. Mm, no. Okay, I am not the biggest fan of this band. So forgive me. And my like, and, and not for any other reason than I just don't know their their songs all that well. But to me, that's what I think Kurt Cobain sounds like when he sings really? this version of "I Know I'm Late" because um, it's so much strain in his voice. Yeah, listen to that very that line in particular, and I think it's on both the demo and the record version. So I don't know if you saw. The okay, demo well the demo's up. gonna have. I've got the demo queued up. the The demo's going to have. Um, probably a little bit more more raw jim sound in it so let's hear that one even more curdy yeah <laughs> you know what it's a bummer you can't scrub with hold on uh, uh, pause real quick justin yeah okay, okay. uh-huh how long oh like when i'm done you want me to bring some up to you okay just over the top or take it out of the dish and wrap it oh okay got it okay yeah i'll wrap it up yeah you guys got a you guys got a cooling rack 
Uh, we do have a cooling rack. Is it those on the cooling so rack? Those are so sick. Yep. So sick. I love those things. So yeah. useful. Oh, man. Oh, man. So it, for for those listeners that heard our Patreon episode, they're hearing the <laughs> other side of the kitchen. Uh, I'm sure we'll cut all of that out. <laughs> I know. Although yeah. now it all comes full circle, so maybe we leave it, it all It does, in. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the I banana bread it. is is finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's the, let's uh, the B story of this podcast is the banana bread. <laughs> uh, oh, so I know I'm late. Yeah, yes, it doesn't scrub. It's such a pain in the ass. I'm sorry. I should. All right, no, it's okay. Here down. we go. I'm gonna go nine seconds, and I think I'm gonna get it. sounds like sounds like Kurt Cobain right absolutely okay I'm not crazy oh yeah yeah I didn't I didn't actually put two and two together that Jim in these uh, you know before Jim had uh, I don't know if it was vocal lessons or figured a different way of singing but in these earlier tracks when you hear that raw uh, you know it sounds kind of like this unfiltered type of singing where I don't know if it's necessarily safe you know for a vocal yeah. for a like vocal <laughs> chords but yeah, he definitely sounds like Kurt Cobain in this. I was very, uh, uh, very astute. I, I um, my I knowledge didn't, I didn't of even put that. going back to cassettes. My knowledge of Nirvana comes from a tape that a schoolmate of mine in like seventh grade made for me called "Kurt and Courtney Forever," and it was like yeah. the, I only listened to rap up until then, and that was like the first rock I'd ever heard. Um, and uh, so it was like a a mixtape of nirvana and whole songs and i think i mostly i think i like the whole songs more <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah that's my extensive knowledge of uh nirvana i don't know what songs are on what record i just know that tape <laughs> what did they call it um kurt, kurt and, and courtney forever yeah, cute yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, another thing that uh, jed the fish mentioned was um he comes back from uh, a song that goes i hate her and talks about this woman, <laughs> this woman in Hunt, Huntington Beach, that won tickets to the Corn and Hole um, show, and they call it the Cornhole Show. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man. Um, so anyway, back to verse two's lyrics. You're totally right with with that Kurt Cobain coming in there. It's like, hello, I'm ready. Yeah, man. Okay. What do you care? Um, stop dragging feet. We can't go back for seconds lost. Uh, it's the, it's, it's your typical, uh, don't cry over spilt milk. Look, I'm here late. I'm here. Aren't I? Man, yeah, what an what? ass. This character is an ass <laughs> in this song. Jeez. Uh, and then it goes into the chorus, which is very cool. So Tom, um, Tom and Jim sing on this one. Uh, it's the same lyrics that they're singing, but one of them sings longer, right? So it's like one goes drive by and the other one goes drive by. Oh, interesting. Right. Hmm. Isn't I didn't it the same thing? That either. It might Let's be. Let's listen it might to this be. real I quick. Never, yeah, I've got it. I've got it here. Oh, 
Oh, yes, 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 yes. There's just the screams. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wish they did those screams live because live. <laughs> I so I was thinking of the way they do it live, which is right. they both sing at the same time. They don't do the third part. Um, right. And it's just yeah. Tom going, drive by, doing the low end of that. Don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sick harmony. It's simple. It is. It, is. It, it works out really well. But yeah, if they did those, man, shit. Um, and... I also have marked down here what does what does Jim say in between the lines, but there is I grabbed my lyrics from Genius, and I don't even I didn't even know was there any annotations on Genius I didn't see anything. No, yeah, they um I think the so at the very end after the chorus on the Genius lyrics they said guilt won't let you because you let it. That's what they're saying underneath this. Oh, that's tight, right? So even in all this, the the yelling and screaming, they you know when they're doing in between, uh, drive by, don't stop before hate winds, don't stop. They'd say, guilt won't let you because you let it, and then come back in. Let's hear it. I want to hear right, it, now. dude. All right, let's see if we can play. And I have I, to like scrub back a little bit. Uh, well, if I play it and then come back, let's see if it makes a difference. Nope, it won't do it, man. I love this. This Google uh, Google Drive playing. Well, it's not a media player, right? Right. So yeah. let me jump to one. Um, let me jump to one fifteen. I'll make sure I get it in there. I'll do one one oh seven. Just be safe. Maybe it's more clear in the actual version because I couldn't really hear it there, but I have heard it. Um, oh, I hear it. Yeah. And what's the yeah. lyric? It yeah, guilt won't let you because you let it. But it's 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 sitting yeah, off on uh, its own on genius. It's sitting off on its own. And I didn't hear it. They just the the chorus ends with hate winds, don't stop. Bam bam ba bam. So it never shows up. But then when you listen to it in the chorus, you can hear it. Uh, and it mm. might be in the turnaround from the chorus into verse three, but you can hear either Tom or Jim saying it underneath that. I don't know. Oh, if it's it was- Jim, and I'll, I'll, the only reason I'll prove it is because the few times that he ever did the screamy part um, in the uh, song, it sounds just like the record. Right. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, so uh, then oh, we go and then to it verse goes, three. Oh, back. Yeah, smooth the sheets, which uh, and then, then, I then love actually have a. The, this line back to back smooth yeah. as sheets and, and, no one was here that's such a and never line. will right I and this know. is where they have and Zach's little drum fill right correct but yeah uh, so they the, before they come in from the course they've got that chuka 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. coming in right yeah oh, no yeah. one so smooth was yeah man no one was here never will watch wind your watch for seconds gone that was a pretty interesting one change oh which I have down is change time if you want. You can make it, um, you can change time, but it doesn't matter. The whole, the whole, uh, you know, in these three different verses they've mentioned, there's no pride, 
in seconds lost. We can't go back for seconds lost. Why your watch for seconds gone? Do it. It doesn't matter. Now here's it's not going to change question. anything. And in the Static Prevails album, uh, the lyrics are not listed. Unfortunately, from everything I could find. Unfortunately, I don't have a physical copy with me. I don't own it on vinyl. But all of the extent I found extensive images of the sleeve, and the lyrics are not there. So right. we can't go to punctuation like I like to do. But could it be smooth the sheets? No one was here and never will wind your watch for a second. Like is never will wind your watch like one whole thought on two different lines. It could be because no one was here and never will. That doesn't necessarily make sense unless you add in no one was here and never will be. Like right. if you were to add in right. be. But yeah, right. and no one was here. No one Pause. was here. And never and will. Never will I mean, that's that's strange too, but. Which could make sense because you got to think that they don't, there's no rule that says each line in this, it goes with that that one line is a single thought. It could be, you know, this verse three could like be. Like it could two be no thoughts. one was here and no yeah. one will wind your watch for seconds gone. Right. No one I was here and no one never was will here wind your watch. And implied no one will wind your watch for seconds gone. I think that's what it is. Okay, that's that's as valid as my thought, which is uh, he's just talking about um, the fact that there's whatever it is that, that you're worried about. There's no sense in making exactly. a big deal about it because we have we're beyond this. We're gone. The cello suite's over. We're on the second cello suite now, and I don't know what you're griping about. It just seems like a the a relationship on like an impending breakup is what's what I see with this. Um, and smooth the sheets. That's a cool line. It's like a metaphor, right? So yeah, smooth the sheets is a metaphor for just uh, wiping uh, the slate clean. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I gather from that is that they've, you know, smooth the sheets, make it seem like, let's just say no one ever was here. This argument never happened. There's, you can't change the fact that we have, we have spent an hour, two hours arguing over this crap. And no one's going to wind your watch for seconds, God. No. <laughs> you got to get it in there. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, drive by, don't stop again, which is a cool chorus. We didn't talk about that. So drive by, don't stop. Drive by, don't stop a couple of times. And then hate wins, don't stop. Hate wins, don't stop. Their arguments always end with some kind of hateful yeah. comment. And then I noticed Ugh. that the the lyrics I copied and pasted, which I think were from Genius, now I do see where you're saying guilt won't let you because you let it, and then because you lost. I think that's what he's screaming right at the end. Hey, that's, that's don't it. stop because you. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear more of the guilt won't let you because you let it. Then let's listen. Huh. Do you want to listen to the actual track? Um, let me see if I have it. I've got it in Spotify. If you want, yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. We're getting flagged, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah.
So I'm actually not hearing guilt won't let you because so you let it. I think we're th- we're assuming he's singing drive by don't stop in the screams. Right. I think he's saying guilt won't let you. Which I th- I thought that too, but then you can't hear him say because you let it. Uh, listen to it again. Sorry, go. Back. <laughs> okay, gonna I'm just gonna. So much. No, it's okay. I'm just gonna jump back. Listen to right you. after the second "Don't stop." He 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 does a couple more syllables, but only a couple because you let it is more syllables than it needs to be. So you're hearing the end of it. Okay. Uh, here we go. Okay, so he's saying, Cow won't let you go. Won't let you because you love. And then he's saying, Let it underneath hate wins. And then uh, hate wins don't stop. Hate wins don't stop because you lost. So I think it, he's saying, Guilt won't let you. Guilt won't let you because you let it. Let it comes on the one, two of the next line. And then because you lost comes at the end of don't stop. I think that's what's Oof. happening. It very well could be. It's hard to hear underneath all of that. I mean, it's a better mix in the, in the album release. Much but better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so that's, that's what I thought it was, was I thought, you know, because this thing is, it's so far out of this, the, the lyrics that it just didn't make sense that it was sitting out on its own without being in there. And I was trying to listen for it. And yeah, I was trying to make it fit in the chorus, but uh I couldn't do it as mathematically correct as you could. <laughs> 44 right. J pod. If you have any thoughts, <laughs> right. And that's really it. So it goes drive by. Don't stop. Drive by. Don't stop. Hate wins. Don't stop. Hate wins. Don't stop with them. Tom and Jim doing we some sick yelling harmonies in there, man. Damn, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. They should. Uh, so I've seen them play this live very recently. 2018. They should have had Robin back there doing the screams. Oh yeah. <laughs> does, does Robin <laughs> scream? Does he no, do not that I know of. Yeah. Didn't think so. He just does. Uh, he just does the the uh, like the, he does the high higher harmonies. harmonies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Right. And this is so. This is a pretty short song. Again, it's not one of the shortest ones. It's not like what were we looking at the other day? It was "Action Needs an Audience." That uh, that was it. That was the shortest one, starting from "Static Prevails." But this one is. It's like it's a contender for a short song. It's only. Uh, just under three minutes. Oh, that would have right. been a fun order for a podcast to do the songs in like right. runtime <laughs> no one would have known our last song would have been good oh, harbor yeah or do you start sure. at the longest song and end at the shortest song <laughs> no i think by that time you've got <laughs> you do the quicker ones first you can get yeah, get yeah, through yeah. them quicker yeah uh so anyway yeah that is uh those are the lyrics for this jam i love that it ends on the up like on uh, like one two ba-da, three four one two three and four like, I don't know. Yes. I guess it is on the four, but it ends like on an up as opposed to like. A- right. And you could you could even kind of figure that out. So it's like or you could go. Right. It just seems like it. it it's I don't know. It doesn't doesn't fit right. This one, it leaves you hanging a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of uh, in anticipation for yeah. track two, which would happen to be. Uh, what is that one? Oh, Rockstar Tom. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the single, baby. Uh-huh. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think I think Rick 
shines here. And especially this is his first song with the band uh, coming out swinging. He does some great work, I think, in the uh, like the bridge. Um, and like, I made a couple notes about. Does he do like, any bass slides in this? No, he does like little like um, like little bass runs like he's got like yeah. a little run, but no slides. No, he's got a sick little run. So uh, let's see. I'm assuming these are all from the re- official release part. But uh, oh, so I came across a video of him playing this song early and he's fingering. He's doing finger style, which yeah, I have not does he seen usually play pick Rick really do. Yeah, he usually pays plays a pick. But there is a couple points in this where it sounds like he's doing finger style. So if you go to 238 on the Spotify track, I think you'll hear a little bit. Of okay, let's see. What I think is more the finger style. All right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have that uh, that clicky sound. Yeah, that, that sharp sound that you but would have. What's with a funny pick, is right? the song, like uh, the song, like like that second verse is very bass heavy, and it does sound like he's picking. Um, which uh, hey, look, that's cool. Like I just don't feel like I'm a a good enough bass player to say I'm gonna do two styles on this song because I think <laughs> right it, now maybe that's what Mark or Wes their sort of like ear says like Hey, why don't you pick on this part and finger on this part or uh, yeah. Um, right 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 um and then so uh here's an example of the run that he does is at 202 okay uh, got and that's that. in the bridge and it's just like a little like i don't know what to call it but i know what it is it's like you're hitting a root note and then you go up two frets and then back down to that root note and down one fret so i don't know what that's okay. called it's like this a little scale but not really let's see Oh, okay. So we actually heard that. So that that's a different one. We we were right at the end of the one that I was thinking of, but that one is like a dissonant, like roll down the scale because it's not in key, but he does it on both the demo and the, uh, and the record version. So it's at two twelve. It's right at the end going into the chorus. He does his like down to the oh, yeah. note again, but he right. doesn't do it in key. And it's obviously intentional because it's, it's uh, in the demo the same way. Um, right. But I thought it was interesting. Um, but sorry. So maybe go back to like 157 and 50? you'll hear. Yeah. Uh, that's too right, far. Let's 157. One, let's do 155. You know. Sure. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's it. Are you talking about the do 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 do? Yeah, he goes he goes down one fret back to there? the root note and then up to the the second two frets up. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> it's it's simple, but it's like I don't know. I I think it's like when you want to add a little flair to something, you want to sound like Matt Freeman. Like that's definitely their like Matt Freeman. Like oh, we want to sound like No Effects a little bit still. <laughs> Right, and you don't want to you don't want to overpower or, or the song. Rancid. He's the bass player of Rancid, not uh, that might, but yeah, um, yeah. You and you don't want to overpower the song with 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 yeah. bass licks, yeah. Right. So it's and I didn't even notice that one. I couldn't hear it in there, but you know, oh I yeah, wish I was kind of like nerding out over. Like feature. I love his bass tone here. I like I like how the bass sounds a lot on this song. Yeah. So, um, I thought I would, uh, yeah. 
Oh, what did I say here? I said four seconds gone is a top five. Oh, I know why. So at 152 on the demo, uh, I just wrote a timestamp so we knew where to go. Um, sorry, I didn't write down the timestamp for the release version, but it's that scream going into at the end of verse three, going into the bridge. That is such a great moment in this. You want to bring that up on the demo? Uh, yeah, just because I wrote the timestamp for the demo and not the release version, but it's 152. But you know where it is. It's at the end of verse three. Right. Let's see. Okay, 152. Um, let me just adjust this real quick. And oh my gosh, here we go. Here we go. I love this. Oh, so good. How far away from the mic do you think he was in the studio for this demo? (laughs) You know? Yeah, I mean, probably. Seven feet away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say at least five feet. Um, And I don't have a community section for this song. I have 10 examples of him doing that part of the song. (laughs) Yeah, you do? Oh, that's excellent. Um, But anyway, we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, I've I got, love uh, that point of the song so much. I saw Jimmy Eat World with Addison and Kaylee. Susie and I went with Addison and Kaylee to see him at the Wiltern in 2018, and they played this. And Addison didn't know it, and I was like, "Oh, dude, Jim's gonna scream! Jim's gonna scream!" And I think everybody in the crowd screamed. I didn't notice till I went back to the recording. He's not screaming it, it's <laughs> but just I was the... so excited live. <laughs> I was like, "He's gonna scream yeah. it!" <laughs> Oh, oh man, it was so good. Um, so yeah, that, that's uh, the, that was my little thought on uh, on sort of the structure of the song. That's, I finally could speak to right. something about the structure and the and the <laughs> the analysis of now it. Let's let's listen to the uh, November eleventh, two thousand five, the introduction because I got down that it's got a little bit of a long view vibe, and I think this is just Zach noodling around on the drums. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, I don't even have 2005 in my list, but I think I was trying not to to put together too many versions of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's just we'll just listen to the introduction here. Hey, this is Sock Rain. Just to come see us play at Fireside and wherever he wants to play here. Was this something about an ass? Like... Oh, Jim's banter on stage. <laughs> oh, thanks. Right, right, right. Oh, no, thanks, guys. You guys are great guys. You guys. Thank you. you guys. Yeah, great. Oh. This song was written back when we played standard tuning. Kind of old one. Let's do this, Tom. Isn't that cool though? He goes, let's do this, Tom. It's interesting. Yeah, I do love that. Um, it's interesting. He says they used to play standard tuning. The song, according to Toombat, is D flat minor. D flat minor, which might it's not. I don't know know if that's necessarily the tuning of the guitar. That's probably oh, the okay. key that they're starting it in. Yeah, but I would assume that uh, if you're drop D, that's oh no. If you're drop D, it's still not low enough. Um, D flat minor. I mean, I, I, it's probably why they played those. Uh, those twinkly guitar chords right. at the beginning because they're you know they're playing the bar chords up in the minor yeah it does have a camelot uh, of 12a so you know that it really explains a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> let me see if i can jump to the end of this there's one other comment i wanted to make in here oh yeah yeah, yeah. here we go thank you very much 
I want to say thank you to Maritime. Davey Von Bolin. Yeah. Zach was really feeling that beat. Oh, dude, totally. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny what I said. I want to say mad props to American Animal Set. Does that make does that make sense to you? I want to give mad props to American Analog Set. Is that funny the way that he says it? Um, I, was it? I I guess it's like out of character for him to give mad props. Is it to something. Mad props? Maybe that's what it was. Um, before that, I missed that. Before he mentioned the the shout out to Maritime, he does actually immediately after the song you hear him go do and and then tune down to the drop D. So, oh, um, right. yeah. So this on this tour in two thousand five. They were playing, I checked, they were playing at, uh, this was in Chicago, Illinois, at the Metro. Yeah. Which right? is dropped and, in a Blink-182 song called Parking Lot. And that's where oh, yeah? uh, Alkaline Trio came up playing at the Metro, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Metro I, is like Alkaline Trio's Soma, which is Blink-182's like local bar where they used to play. And is that why they, is that why they covered Berlin's Metro? Uh, no. Alkaline because Trio? Alkaline Trio covered Metro? I know uh, plus forty four did. Um, no, it was it was definitely um, okay. I'm not a huge alkaline trio like yeah. aficionado, so like I wouldn't know. But if they did, that's kind of interesting, huh? Okay, I always thought it was like the Metro. I mean, that's the name of the song, the Metro. But maybe it's actually in reference to oh, Met- fuck. at Metro. Sorry, real quick. You want to do we do we dare play more music on the pod? Play at the ahead, beginning. Man. Just play the first like. 20 seconds of the song Parking Lot by Blink-182 and you'll hear them shout out the Metro in Chicago. All right. All right, let's go. Uh, that song rips That's sick. so hard. <laughs> I absolutely love that song. They played that when I saw them in Vegas. It was so sick. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> That's the most no, I know so about this... the Metro Chicago. That and that Jimmy oh, World there played there in 2005. <laughs> and we have the recording here That's of them right. playing this. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't find who opened for who, but I'm I'm assuming that um, uh, American Analog set was probably the opener, and then Maritime opener, was. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then Jimmy rolled headlined. Yeah, that makes sense. Right now, um, I looked into Maritime right because we we had Dave Yvonne Bolin on. So they have a what were they doing at the time? Maritime, what were they doing? They had just put out Glass Floor that album in two thousand four. So I'm assuming that's what they're promoting. Uh, they had an album, We the Vehicles, that they put out four months after this. Oh, okay. So April, no, six months. Yeah, this was April 2006 that they released uh, We the Vehicles. This was in November of 2005. And then, uh, yeah, don't want to discount Davey Von Bolin for being in this. Uh, but also... He probably sang a praise chorus at this show. Yeah, yeah. And he, was that one of the set, uh, let's see. Yeah, that was the final before their encore was a praise chorus. So I imagine he walked out um, to sing that. That's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, <sighs> Maritime, we don't really, we haven't really gotten to like the post hardcore bands or anything like that, even though Jimmy Eat World is considered one of those bands, even though they get lumped into the emo scene. Um, 
that they I don't, they I don't understand when people say post things. So like, like after anything after hardcore was a, was a was a genre is post hardcore, right. right? Like what what Correct. constitutes post? But post if you hardcore? could, and you can like, let's say if I was to play Jets to Brazil, or even better, if I was to play Sunny Day Real Estate, you would know that sound. Um, but I guess fact, I, I guess maybe that sound I consider to be emo. Like yeah, it could be. Now it could, and be. I'm not saying now you're wrong. Is, I th- these are genre names that get thrown around all the time, and I'm just asking absolutely. you as a layman. Anything right. that came and, out and, after hardcore is post hardcore. Right, exactly, and I and I, and that that e- the emo term flows around so much in that post hardcore. I think has a little bit more of a specific uh, a specific sound and approach and message. When emo has the more, if you want to go to the 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 most dramatic end of it is that musicians on stage crying when they're singing their songs, heartfelt, uh, deep songs, right? That's right. like the far, But I guess like extent. Tom Mullen, like uh, from Washed Up Emo is always rallying against that trope of emo music. Um, right. Emo music is emotive in general, not specifically emotional. Um, right. And so, and again, I'm only playing devil's advocate. I know nothing about this shit. That's why I want to get Tom on the pod so we could get right. And I, I and, and before we did this episode, I did read the very first chapter after did the Discord records oh. chapter in 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 uh, in his in Eric Grubb's book uh, uh, re- over Jawbox, which is Jay Robbins, who is. Throughout his career, has a has a lot of experience with producing. He you know he had produced his own music, and then now when he's working with Maritime, he's working with Davey Von Bolen producing his music. Um, but in Jawbox, I'll play the 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 top track Savory, which was off their um, their biggest album. I think when they got onto Atlantic, so they were on Discord, and then them and um, oh my gosh, why can't I think it's. Uh, Shutter to think. Ring? Both no, no. Shutter to think. Oh, both okay. left Discord for uh, two major labels. So Jawbox leaves for Atlantic. Sellouts. But and and that's the <laughs> that's what they hear. But when you hear how different their sound is because they were paid to have studio time. Um, this is the track. I'll, I'll play a little bit of this. This is called Savory. And tell me when you listen to this if this doesn't sound. This to me has a very post hardcore sound to it. Uh, this was also featured on Beavis and Butthead. So before K Rock, mm. Beavis and Butthead, when they featured you on the the v- music video section, you know, you kind of felt like, oh wow, hey, we're this is we're making it big. We got a Mike Judge production here. So this is Savory. This is and this is uh, the top track from Jawbox. Not even that knowing Jack, right? Not even knowing Jawbox, but hearing that, does that have, you know, like the ingredients of a, a certain type of music? That when I think of that, yeah, I think I of, mean that sounds like Boxcar Racer to me. Like that does that, it? Like it's like clean guitars playing dissonant chords with loud 
dope drums right and 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 uh explosions of staccato guitars in between right that all come in the bassist you know right, yeah. she comes in and goes do 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 yeah um right. okay so, i can, yeah yeah that's and and jawbox is actually regarded as one of the most um notable post hardcore bands that came out they they put their first album together in 89 and they were making music through uh the 90s that was their the biggest moments in their lives was like 91 93 around the same time as uh Nirvana uh, but then Jimmy Rolls playing with Maritime which is Davey Von Bolen's after the Promise Ring this is the you know that was essentially what the Promise Ring became right was Maritime um so he's still yeah, trying to keep as far as I'm sound- to understand yeah right oh so uh you know Davey Von Bolen still getting keeping his thing going with Maritime um, and, and Jimmy World, this was their, like you and me were talking about this earlier, how Jimmy World killed it in 2005. I don't know what it was, but they yeah, were just we, we on came fire. Across another performance. Yeah, we came across another performance from this show that is the best performance of that song that I could find. In in 2005, right? Yeah, yeah, at this 2005 yeah. show. Um, you know what? Fuck it. Well, let's listen to the end of, uh, do you have all the, the songs from that show? Um, where are they? Are they in the drive? Oh, I didn't know if you had them uh, easily available. No, I don't. I, could I pull don't. Them up here, let me see. Let me see real quick. Let me see real quick. Two thousand. Nope. Don't pretend I didn't say anything. <laughs> I was Perfect. hoping it would be on the Jimmy Share. Yeah, me too. I, I I couldn't find anything else. There was only two tracks that were had to do with thinking on there. Yeah, I don't know why I specifically had this other version of uh, Lucky Denver Man. Hmm. Who can know? Yeah. Um, well, you know, in, in the meantime, I will mention that I did come across. I know you said you didn't have any community posts on here, but I did come across from uh, user Paul Roger titled from eight months ago. Just a thought. I don't know if this has ever been discussed before, but every time I listen to Static Prevails, I always imagine them re-recording the whole record again. I just think we should start a petition to get it done. Am I crazy? <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, but I'd love to hear it as they stand as a band now, which kind of lends to the whole them playing it live 2005 and after and everyone loving how it sounds live. That's just got yeah. so much energy to it. Well, I talk about that with our guest this week, too, is uh, he's a big fan of this version of Jimmy Eat World. And I, I was like, it's so cool hearing 2018 Jimmy Eat World sing these same songs. So I, I'm with right. the user, I think. Yeah. I think it would be a cool. the The problem is that bands do that in order to take back the masters. Well, I guess I forget what Jimmy Eat World stance is, and if they own the masters or if Capital still owns them. But a lot of bands will do re release, re records of records, so that they can own the masters of the new recording. They don't have to uh, buy it back first. I no, because I, I, I has something to do with um, it has something to do with like mechanical copyright versus huh. uh recording like like the intellectual property the, copyright yeah the label owns the master recording not the song so the publishing company is the band right and the, right this is my understanding 484j pod if you if you're a music <laughs> lawyer or something like that but my understanding is the band owns the song not the recording so uh like all-time low re-recorded one of their early albums uh for their 10th anniversary. And I guess part of it is because now they own those masters. So they recorded it themselves. 
And since Bleed American, Jimmy World has done that. And I just learned some other band is doing it that way. What other band did I hear? Uh, the Main. They record like Jimmy World. They'll record their whole record and then shop it to labels. Um, because then you own the master after the fact. But Capital uh-huh. paid for this record and owns the masters. I guess for some reason, if Jimmy world wanted to own the masters to this record, they, I, I guess you could buy it, but it might be cheaper to record. I don't know. I don't know. Why do bands do it? 44 J buck. <laughs> yeah. And what are we talking about here? We've got 2000. We've got until, um, 2026, 20, right. For 30 years. Right. So uh, yeah, maybe uh-huh. on the 30th yeah. anniversary of this, they might do a little re-release, but we've got what? Another six years for that. That's a lot of time yeah. for a band. And I'm not, yeah. That's two I, more. That's two more albums. For, I, I'm not clamoring for Jimmy World to go and re-record an album. Right. And you know what? Um, you can hear them play this live, which we'll listen to a few clips of that, which yeah. is cool enough, right? To have many, many them. a few. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, oh, another thing in that same thread, Pebble Swift comes in. Um, Ginger Guitar X 92X says the last time I saw them, they busted out thinking that's all. It sounded awesome considering that Jim is such a better singer technically now. Tom sounded great too. And then Pebble Swift comes in. Uh, probably unpopular take coming in. I think that thinking that's all live is one of their best, in all caps, live performances. So much energy, noise, and feelings, a lot of variety for each instrument. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It really is fucking rad when they do it. I'm excited to watch these videos with you, man, in a, in a bit. But the, yeah, because yeah, I, only, I only watched one, um, and it was a year after they had released this album. Uh, right. Um, right. And that was, uh, and that's uh, according to, I and I have a feeling because so that was at the Skaters World Rolling, yeah, race, uh, yeah, video, right? uh, in December, so, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it, December fifth, ninety seven. Yeah, um, it's funny because that's listed on Setlist.fm as their first time playing it live, oh, which you know can't be true. It's just that's right. the oldest recording somebody <laughs> has of uh, uh of being able to pinpoint it, and then the uh, right. most recent time they played it was February 14th, 2019, when they played a secret 25-year show in Phoenix. I remember when they did that, and I thought of going out there for that. But I had just oh, gotten man. back to work from paternity leave, and we would have had a drive That was the Phoenix Rebel Lounge. With a car, yeah. Um, but they played it 62 times, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I sort of hijacked your idea. No, no, no. And I'm just I'm just kind of going through my list. And so you, you're talking about that... Um, the Rebel Lounge um, show. Right, so yeah, Meta, yeah. Meta Luke 5 uh, had posted seven months ago. During this show, they played mostly clarity songs, thinking that's all, and opened with what what, what I would say to you now. I was wondering if there's oh any specific God, music. Oh, my God, I love that song. Right? So you would have just been in heaven out there. <laughs> Rad set list. Yeah, and then everyone else you know, just kind of says, this, yeah, it's because it was a home state show, um, secret show for the band's 25th anniversary. Um Here's all the video and some pictures my wife took from her phone. Very cool, right? Yeah. Oh, man, still up on her Dropbox. Very cool. Yeah, it's funny because 77 Satellites and What Would I Say to You Now were bonus tracks on the reissue version of Static Prevails. Um, and uh, and it, this is one of those songs. Thinking that's all specifically is one of those ones I always think is like, I don't know Static Prevails all that well. Like, I'll put it on, I'll know all the songs. But I don't know, right. like... This song is on that. Like Rockstar, I know, is on Static Prevails. And right. Uh, uh, Claire, I guess, is on there. And I can't even tell you what Claire sounds like right now. Me neither. But um, <laughs> uh, this song is like 
one of those songs I love so much and it's very post hardcore, I guess now that I've learned um, that I, <laughs> I equate that sound to the singles album. Um, but I'm pretty sure there's no reason this would be on the singles album. Uh, I'm probably thinking of uh, what would I say to you now, which I would consider a sister song to this sonically. Like if you like this song, you'll like, what would I say to you now? Um, uh, but yeah, uh, thinking that's all is one of those songs where I, until now, I didn't know what was what album this would have fallen onto. Um, right. Yeah, it's not on. Nope. 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 No. Version. I just know. I know that when I just when I describe this to people, or if I was to have to have to describe Jim's vocals, I I just say it's it's the different Jim vocals. It's it's the it's <laughs> yeah. the the straining Jim vocals. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Which is cool. I'm glad that they so cool. Uh, on the actual recording on Static Prevails, they they did tighten it up a bit um, from that demo. The demo sounds kind of like someone who is just straining to oh, sing. So this the, we're parlaying perfectly into this. Uh, damn, sorry, you got to download it again. Um, it's fine. Uh, this is a clip of Jim talking about those songs on Static Prevails, and I think this was on Washed Up Emo. Um, what did I call this? usually name it what it was oh i just called the thinking that's all perfect i think this yeah. is on washed up emo um and uh Does you'll it... hear jim talk about <laughs> these songs okay here we go does it does it take you back like if you're doing something off static prevails that you haven't done in a while you're like holy shit <laughs> or is it Sometimes, wow yeah, i totally Sometimes. forgot it <laughs> we don't really we don't really play a whole lot of static stuff anymore but but um, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you did, like, you'd probably bring up a lot of sort. You'd be like, okay, what was that again? Or what was what was I feeling at that moment? It, I think it'd be more like, why the hell do we write this and put it here? Mm. <laughs> like, what what the hell were we thinking? And why were why were we on a major label again for this kind of a record? Like, what? <laughs> you do you know? guys like, think that a lot? Do you look back at that record and go, what what? Where, oh, we had no, yeah, we had no business being on uh, on Capital. We had no business being on a major label with the <laughs> kind of material that we were coming up with and with our uh, our um, market uh, positioning, our our rabid fan base of three thousand people who had bought <laughs> various combined, who had bought various like seven inches that we put out. What a modest guy! <laughs> so good, yeah. Right, um, our three thousand rabid fans. <laughs> well, they always talk about that. So the the I'm really interested in what like the sales for that record were for the first two years, and they always sort of hover around that version of the story where it's like three thousand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. I think I only have no. I have a couple other things. Um. One is that while I was listening to this, I may, I always make a playlist when we're doing a song of all of the versions of the song that I have, right? So I listened to Thinking That's All and the demo so much while I was, uh, what was Susie doing? I was upstairs in the complete dark trying to put our infant back to sleep. And I'm just walking around the house listening to this, which is a pretty rocking song, but it does seem like a nighttime song. And it, and with the album art, and the rest of the songs, which ha which have like in my mind, are more slow compared to the skate punk stuff they were doing before. This doesn't. Mm -hmm. This definitely feels like a nighttime driving record to me. 
I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah, I love, it doesn't it doesn't go ahead. I love the image of driving on a small two lane highway in the desert. Like I'm thinking of driving to Phoenix. Like I have family in Phoenix. I do a lot of the driving at night, which is my favorite time to listen to music. But there's a very specific type of music I like to listen to on those drives. And this would be on that. <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> yeah. I could, no, no. Oh, okay. I could totally get that. It doesn't come off. If I had to lump this. Uh, you, you know, as as some kind of type of of album, you know, if I had to give it a, a description in, in a couple of words, yeah, yeah, I could I could see that as it being a uh, more yeah a night drive, a night um, a nighttime album, a, a yeah. travel album. Now, if you will, my friend, switch over to your watch together link, and I'm gonna I'm gonna grace us with our buddy a heap of games. Oh. And we can listen to his theory about how Static Prevails is a rock opera that starts off with this song. That something like that was done with Static Prevails. I could be talking absolute bollocks. But it struck me one day as I was listening to the songs. I thought there's almost a running... There are several little running themes going throughout the songs. I've listened to it again and had the idea of, is there a plot going on? And I've got a selection of the lyrics here throughout the songs. And I think maybe I'm just imagining things, but I've now got this story in my head, the Static Prevail story. And it really enhances my listening experience of the album. It might do for you as well. Of course, you might think I'm talking rubbish, but here goes my, my Static Prevail's rock opera theory. So we start off with the song Thinking That's All. This is where we introduce ourselves to the first character, which is a bloke <laughs> who travels from place to pl- place, gambling, drinking, uh, generally being a rowdy sort with his mates. Lines such as, first cello suite, I know I'm late, what do, I, what do you care? Stop dragging feet, we can't go back for seconds lost. Smooth the sheets, no one was here and never will. Wind your watch for seconds gone. Drive by, don't stop, hate winds, don't stop. Now I get from those lyrics a guy who moves from place to place, just try there are some people that he pisses off and just <laughs> runs the other direction and especially the line drive by, don't stop. So this is a guy who he doesn't settle anywhere. You know, a bit of a gambler, a bit of a drinker. We've probably all seen that sort before, you know, it's almost like a guy from a motorbike gang. motorcycle clan (laughs) but it may may seem tentative now but i've got you've got to take into context the story that i take from the other songs here so keep that in mind um drive by don't stop smooth the sheets no one was here and never will that's someone who's moved from place to place uh I know I'm late. What do you care? Stop dragging feet. That sort of thing. So the next song is. <laughs> so I love this guy. He's uh, so easy to listen to. He is right. Right. He's very passionate. He loves Static Prevails. Like he kind of like. I think he said he hasn't listened to anything since Chase's Light <laughs> or something. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a purist. Um. So yeah, I, th- I thought I should so that's, share it. That's his. Because they, we said anytime we come to back to a static song, um, right? That we should, and that's uh, one of 12, 12 pieces of his puzzle that he's trying to assemble 
to show that this is a concept album, or as as he says, a he actually uses the a term rock, rock opera. A rock opera. Yeah. We all know those blokes, <laughs> right? And then, uh, yeah, that's right. And then I'm bringing back the potato video to begin my trip down a rabbit hole of all the different times that he has sung the end of that third verse. <laughs> but right. this is specifically about the intro uh, to him starting to play the song where he's sort of heckling the crowd about playing old songs. And this is in 98 uh, in that video that was shot on a potato. Um, oh, yeah. So you can't oh hear gosh. what people yell out at him. Yeah, right. Uh, but he, he, you hear him uh, chime back right here. I play a block of old songs. That's too old. It's too old. Those are too old. What, you want the Red Hot Chili Peppers to get up here and play True Man Don't Kill Coyotes over and over again? I'm kidding. Oh, oh okay. Don't question. So sad. <laughs> I love that Zach does like the standard like between song fill. <laughs> yeah. The one, While two, Jim three, four, baby. Crowd. Oh, that for sure. But I mean like even more like that he is like while Jim is talking to the crowd he's just like doing like little fills back there hey, did you see him bringing through raising his hand in the air to bring it through the, oh no uh, i didn't <laughs> which is kind of cool i mean as as a band leader i mean you've got to you've got to bring everyone back into the oh yeah the all right guys come on wrap it up <laughs> yeah yeah um holy shit how is the guys all assuming they didn't do all the screamy parts ah yes ectoplasm on reddit was re- was uh responding to somebody talking about that show that addison and i were at so somebody uh let's say it's me writer 14 one year ago says jimmy world played a super set at the world turn in la 916 this is 2018 and then ectoplasm responds holy shit how was thinking that's all assume they didn't do all the screamy parts which led me down this rabbit hole where i was like well no he did the screamy parts because my original note was no he did do the screamy parts and then i very much found that he did not so um uh Let's let's start in 97. Uh, and here's the thing is I'm going to send you these links because Watch Together doesn't like us to do timestamps. Sorry. Right. So I should be sending you timestamps of just the end of that third verse. So we'll hear it from 97 where he screams it and it sounds just like the record. Let's hear it. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Um, I had to. I had to uh, like that video. I'm. I'm like number to, six, sixty-nine, dude. <laughs> uh, that was so good. Uh, and then here they are in ninety-eight. I think this is the potato video. Let's hear him uh, do it on this one. It's. I say that yeah. he screamed here. So. so it's so good so oh man two years he was doing the screamy part right now they they weren't doing the screamy part during the chorus though 
but he did do that screamy part. 99, he switches it up a little bit. Let's hear it. Ooh, the whisper. Yeah. And so he, he did it a that couple one again. Times. Well, I, was, I sent you another link. Let's listen to that one. Let's see All if right, it's any better sound. All Same right, here, here we go. <laughs> so good. Um, the seconds last. Maybe he had a, a, a long night. So get this. Here it is in 2000, and this will be the best we hear the whisper, and there's Ooh. a really cool story that goes along with it. All right. All right, what's the story? So the story of why this sounds so good, this Love Disaster 6-9, he says, In February 2000, my brother, our friend Mike Hayden, and I drove up to Phoenix from Tucson to see Jimmy World play uh, Nita's Hideaway. We hooked up a DAT to the soundboard, and I videotaped the show with my brand new Canon Ultura. I just got around to syncing the audio and posting it on the web. If I'd done it back then, I would have had the snail mail it to you after linking up the, uh, via oh, the Jimmy Eat World message board. This show is the first time they played Sparkle Live. P.S. You can also watch an amazing Jimmy Eat World show my bro and I recorded in 99 at the Green Room in Tempe here. And he gives a link. Um, but he hooked up a dat, which is why it's so clean. Wow. So I was going to say that th- this is really well balanced audio there's no explosions yeah distortion yeah um which is still very impressive because you're getting literally a direct stereo out of the mix um and there's man i mean that just shows that their audio guy knows what he's doing because right it would be a mess if i was doing (laughs) 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 so then in 2012 they start the current version of how they sing it. And uh, this is at a Wooden Blue Records show in Phoenix. You can peep that. Wooden Blue. Wooden All Blue right, was one of their one original out. record labels they were on, I believe. Yeah. That seems like more of the... If if Jim was singing it now, that's how I would expect him to, to sing. Right. Yeah. And it is. It's, it's very similar to that that's that's the screamier version of the way he sings it today um so uh one year later he does he's still morphing this version of it it's slightly different all right here we go So a little that's good. lower energy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. It's, it's the energy you see. If 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 this was a you know the the final song of their set, I would absolutely want him to do early Jimmy World version of this, where he's yeah. like, But I could go for the sex. I could go for the other one that I heard, but yeah, this one's a. Eh. You know what would be sick because he's tight with Davey Havoc is that if AFI and Jimmy Eat World either played a festival together or toured together, yeah. that Davey comes out and sings the screamy parts. But Davey doesn't scream that much anymore, but that would be really sick. It's for it's for one line. I mean, I I, I would even try it. And I would want Davey to do the right. chorus part, though, too. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man. That uh, so this is the 2018 show that I was at. Um, and this is not far from where I was standing. I think I even commented to the guy. I was like, I think I was standing next to you, dude. And JMJ was right behind us too. Um, wow. He and his wife. Oh man, makes you want to go then, see a live show, dude. It's yeah, I know, right? Oh, this is oh, this is what we're bringing the live show to the people, and this is like yeah, super right. energetic Jimmy World. This is the highlight of the set. So, um, and then finally, the secret show they played this year. Here's the clip of them playing it. There uh, should be coming to you momentarily. All right, here we go from the Rebel Lounge. <laughs> You know what? He does that enough. I'll, I'll get used to it. It sounds okay. <laughs> it sounds okay. Yeah. I mean, right. It sounds like modern Jimmy World, though, which is cool. Right. Like, and I, maybe their, that's what he's from their like '96 new, record. Right. Making it sound fresh. I think that's pretty right. cool. Yeah. As opposed to they, sounding they, like he's trying to sound like he's 25 years younger. Right. Right. <sighs> so that was my my very fun trip down memory lane. Yeah. Um. I did find a video. I forget when this one is. Uh, Lil Beth Marth, eight years ago, got mad at the poster who posted this video. <laughs> Watch when they play the whole video because I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to hear them playing it in 2008 and <laughs> watch the video. Okay, here we go. Let's listen to this. It's an old song. This one's for Leif, our lighting guy. He's from Salt Lake, everybody. He's right there. He's the tallest person in the room right now. Yes. Can we get a fall spot on the little light guy for a second? Maybe two or three. Celtics games or anything. <laughs> okay, this is called Thinking That's All. It's from our Static Reveals record. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know what, though? I get the fact that, like, let's say you want to get into the show and you want to watch it. Oh, sure, yeah. Right, I could. That's that's my justification. It is funny though that uh, I'll be the Marth says, "What possessed you to only record all of ten seconds of the song?" <laughs> and the majority of that is uh, regarding Jim Leif, talking. Leif, yeah, and his ability to put together a sick ass light show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I did come across the rankings of this song in the Survivor, both Survivors. Oh yeah. So, I was hoping it was going to have a higher ranking. Yeah, it only landed in sixth place in the original. And then in Pebble Swifts, it made it up to round four. Right. But, yeah. 
Yeah, I was bummed. I thought this one would have had a better setting. The uh, what ended up? Let me look at the other one from uh, from Walking on a Wire. Claire, the the song that you and I can neither <laughs> neither of us can can pinpoint what it even sounds like, and that's what what ended up winning, huh? I want to guess like uh, you're familiar with the movie That Thing You Do. Yeah, this is what I think Claire sounds like. I'm Claire. I'm Claire. <laughs> I'm Claire. I'm Claire, Mister White. <laughs> that's uh that's my interpretation of the song claire by jimmy world <laughs> and that's why it's first place David. that's right <laughs> yeah so it didn't uh didn't fare too well in either um walking on a wire or pebble swifts um it is his favorite track though which pebble uh, yeah. yeah that is his favorite. We, we mentioned that already and i think he mentioned it again in this Yep, again in this thread. The raw emotion of thinking that's all gets me every time. Such a banger. That was Justin MY's 89. And then Pebble Swift comes back with, that's my favorite song on this album. Damn. That's sick. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. You know what I didn't get around to do? Our boy, JT O'Donnell. Yeah, what does he have to say? This has got to be up in, um, my guess is going to be 50 to 100 in that bracket. It is that, that... in the 50 to 100 bracket. Where do you think it falls? All right. Uh, I'm going to guess this is 57. 92. Damn. Way Here's off. the first Jimmy World song ever heard on a major label release. From that prickly intro to Jim's pronounced wails, thinking that's all pops immediately and sets the tone for the rawness of the overall sound of Static Prevails. I've always had an affinity for Jim and Tom's vocal interplay during the courses, with Tom's even keeled pronouncements juxtaposed against Jim screaming at the top of his lungs, and the song has one of the most affecting, thought-provoking, and extremely true lyrical couplets from the band that endures to this day. Hate wins, don't stop. That's his, uh, that's his take on that. Hate wins, don't stop, man. Only prefaced uh, by, drive by, don't stop. Just go on, that's right. go on. <laughs> uh, well, good, I'm glad he had something on there. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's funny because I had the tab open because I never remembered to go back to finish my research on that part of it. Um, yeah. I fell down a rabbit hole of other things. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, And let's see. Now, right, did you have any weird stuff? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything else weird. Um, yeah, there's really nothing in my in the notes over there. I, the next few things I have are just some covers, but. You and I have covered most of the. You found the some content. covers, so I pulled up some yeah. other things because I didn't really find a lot of covers. Um, and I'm just gonna bring up my thinking that's all playlist to confirm. Yeah, no, I found some fun stuff. Lots of them playing it, but very specifically some of this weird stuff. Um, let's do weird stuff, and then we can get to covers. Um, okay, go ahead. One of my favorite things. Jump over to your watch together window, and I'll hit play on yeah, this. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes, she's back. Oh, this is Christy Brewer. I don't <laughs> These understand are so why strange. It now, Justin. Yeah. What if I told you that I found two of these? What? Here's the second one. Megan Golding. <laughs> Dude. I don't. Play your hand. Don't play it off. Don't play that game. Out of touch. There is no pride in... Se oh, fuck. Why do you... <laughs> they changed the lyrics. Hold on. 
I'm trying to make it they a did? spoken word thing. Well, it just not that they changed the lyrics, but the screen switched before I was caught up. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> go ahead, play something else on there. Uh, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let me see if I can get something going on here. A little mixed. Yeah, here we go. You ready for this? Yeah. First, Jello Sweet. I know I'm late. <laughs> what do you care? Stop dragging feet. We can't go back for seconds lost. <laughs> I'm so glad you did that. I've thought of doing that a couple times, and I was like, I'm going to have to tell Justin how to do it. Or like, Oh, fuck. This is good. This is good. All right, let's put it up against the other one again. Yeah, okay. it's still it's still ready. I'll let me put um, the other one back in there. <laughs> the oh yeah, for sure. Do you want me to do a different lyric? I'll do the Yeah, let's go I'll to do, the chorus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's all hit. Drive by, don't stop. Drive by, don't stop. <laughs> Hate wins, don't stop. Hate wins, don't stop. Guilt won't let you because you let it. Because you lost. Oh, oh, that was man. a nice little. That was that was perfect. It sounds nice like um, beat into it. What I imagine Billy Joel sounds like. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Oh man. Uh, and then I couldn't find a lot of covers, but I did find this other band that was extremely my shit. So I want to give them a little props. Uh, I I didn't write their name down apparently. Um, but their song is called "Overthinking." That's all. Oh yeah, they were on Bandcamp. Yeah, on Bandcamp. Uh Don Blake is the man who uh did it. Uh let's take a listen. Extremely my shit. Oh yeah. Install extension. I can play it from here. Yeah, do it. Dude, they've got a total uh, The Living End vibe to them. Oh, yeah, I can hear that. A little less right? stand-up bass, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I love this. What do you call that thing where you keep the root notes going on the guitar, but the bass is driving the 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 song forward? Like, is driving the melody? Like, I love when the bass drives. That's a very Blink-182 thing to do. Like, Yeah, I was going to say, because, yeah, especially what, with what Mark does. Yeah, like, it makes me think of, like... Um, uh, Anthem Part Two comes to mind. If you remember the intro to Anthem Part Two, where Tom is playing this arpeggiated, is that the one? No, l- l- yeah, just play it because it's right in the beginning. Uh, the first song, on yeah, isn't it? It doesn't. Oh, okay. And then you'll hear Mark come in, and Mark will take over and drive the melody. Oh, yeah. Oh. Man, Blink is so good. I remember where I was the first time I heard that. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what that's called. Is that is that what it is? Is he driving the melody? Is that what it is? Or yeah, I mean th- that one has more of a that one doesn't have like like uh, straight chords underneath it. That that's actually Tom playing a little bit of a, a lick right, underneath yeah. there. But yeah, you're right. It is definitely bass driven melody. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was that was sick. And then that was Don la- Blake. That was Don Don Blake. Uh, and then here's my last thing that was kind of my favorite um, is it's just this girl in her room twirling a baton to thinking that's all uh, in your watch together in your watch together. Oh, window. let's check this out. Let me uh, hit pause. I'll back up to the beginning. Here we go. Ready? Red bat. Twirl. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> I can't wait to post this one to the socials. Is this Miss A? Is that Yeah, Miss A. How come how come she has no subscribers? I know. Oh man, we should subscribe. Do you think she was in the color guard when she was in high school? I kinda based on her skills, I'm gonna say no. Aspiring <laughs> though, maybe. Um, last week from recording this, Sadie Hawkins pod did miss some Reliant K song called Mrs. Hippopotamuses and, uh, uh-huh. or Mrs. His- Hippopotamuses water park or something like that. Um, anyway, they just posted a video they didn't talk about on their pod that reminded me a lot of this one. And it's a girl in her room doing like cheer style dancing to, <laughs> let me see if I could pull it up from them. <laughs> Cause I think you should see it. <laughs> Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, can't spell Hawkins. Okay, here it is. I gotta send this to you. It's the entirely, it's exact same energy. All right, let's see. Here it is. This seems like something Lindsay would put together for her students to demonstrate the different <laughs> muscle movements. <laughs> you know? Like something well, that's wholesome. That's I wondered if it's like a with choreographer cool music. that's like recording <laughs> herself to like go back and re-reference yeah. or like. Right. <laughs> like, uh, like in high school for PE, we took ballet instead of like whatever basketball or whatever people do for PE. And so mm-hmm. I imagine this is what like my ballet teacher would go home and do before she came in the next day to like teach us the choreography <laughs> yes yes this will work this will work this is it this is it you you know you record yourself so you could then watch it back and make your adjustments so this is what right <laughs> anyway i was so happy that they posted this because i was like oh man that reminds me of a baton twirling girl mrs a <laughs> oh you Red know what we should do twirl. is is put them together <laughs> I'll, oh. put, I'll, I'll cut them together in a video in a video yeah 
They'll be dancing side by side. Yeah. Why is Adam Sandler trending on Twitter? Um, no, I guess just a lot of people are talking about him. Okay. He's alive. Everything's good. Good, good, good. <laughs> I'm going to refresh this because I don't know if something was up. I'm going to paste and see if I can put my SoundCloud link in here. Oh, so it doesn't seem yeah, to. <sighs> Last it time it worked day, fine. But... Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I don't know. Sorry. It's okay. I'm just going to have to play it. And let's see. So I've got the SoundCloud link here. Um, what, do, this, what do we got? Who is it? Is it this, this one? Uh... The first one. <laughs> I think. Oh, you found more? I got Blue Juggernaut. Did it? <laughs> did it end up loading? Oh, it didn't end up loading. So I've got user 979363764. This person delete their profile, but not the It had to have. And their, gosh, their, their image is a picture of themselves drawn on a carrot. <laughs> I don't have this <laughs> one. Know. Yeah, and where is it? Oh, here we go. This is I don't even, I don't even think this is the Jimmy World song. Let's see. This was uploaded a month ago, David. Yeah, this is definitely not now, a Jimmy World. Look. Look, his guitar is not in tune, but I kind of <laughs> like it. You do? I like do. that ethereal sort of uh, spacey kind well, of vibe? It's it's in 4-4 four, four time and in a major scale, so I'm already on board. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something about like whatever chord progression that is that I like. Yeah. Okay. I, right. I didn't hate I mean, it. I'm, I, I, I don't know what it reminds me of. Um, uh I well, what I was that Garden State? But like, what was that song? It, it reminds me of that song that was on Napoleon Dynamite. <gasps> I know what it reminds me of. Ba-ba-da. Oh, it does. Uh, that's the um. Uh, that's the I can tell that we are gonna be that's yeah. Jack White. That's the theme song. Of oh Conan's yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast. Um, but yeah. no. Um, fell in love at a coffee shop by Landon Pig. Ooh. Yeah, come on, user nine seven nine three six three seven six four. You got to tune your guitar a little bit better. Uh, I, look up I, "Falling I in do... Love at a Coffee Shop" because it's that song. All right, let's see "Falling in Love at a Coffee Shop," huh? By Landon Pig. There we go. Harry, there's my boy Landon. More production, but and in tune. Oh yeah. That was the same to me. Oh, yeah. Let's hear. Yeah. Kind of a similar sound. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Production quality varies greatly. Landon Pig has big record label behind him. But <laughs> yeah. User 9643649468. Uh, Dude, you got everything but the eight was all in there. Oh, shit. <laughs> so this next one I have is Blue Juggernaut. Okay, yeah. My comment on this is, what? <laughs> In that's all here. caps. This is thinking that's all. Uh, seven years ago uh, by Blue Juggernaut. Live acoustic, a cover of, of the 1996 album. Don't play it. 
Screams, hold on. Move the sheets. No one was here and never will. Wind your watch for seconds gone. Gone. <laughs> this is a guy I could totally hear playing at Brendan's pub out in Thousand Oaks. Just <laughs> in the corner, just you know, doing oh, his yeah. own thing. Like, oh, I think that's a Jimmy World track. Very different. Yeah. Took some liberties. Yes. Yeah, uh, cover of the 98, and they even put together... That's kind of cool, though. Um, did I... Are you looking at their their uh, page on SoundCloud for this track? Yes. They've yeah, got yeah. their own little album cover for Stack yeah. of Bales. Yeah, that's pretty cool. A cover of the 1996 album by Jimmy Eat World, live acoustic. Not too sure. 2013, live at Scary's Banger. Like Banger, Maine? I don't know. The Scary's. Where do you think the Scary's is? Yeah. Oh, I Republic of Ireland. Oh, I mean that made sense with his. Yeah, uh, right. So that must be where Bangor, Ireland. I was gonna say, man, there's so many um, golf courses around. (laughs) But that's a Scottish game. But that's Uh, like driving from Orange County to like Thousand. Right. I think they're just very much like you go over the line. You're you're Irish. You go over the line here. You're Scottish. Wait, Uh, no, they're not Ireland. That's in England. What is? The scariest banger is in England. It's uh, it's right on the. But again, aren't all of those within like an hour or so of each other? Yeah, yeah, it's like driving to Disneyland. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's see what the. uh, Let me get directions from there to Dublin, and see how. All right, is gonna get is gonna take you down in the tube. Uh, is there a tube? I've never been to that part of the world. Oh, what's that subterranean? What's the uh the big? Well, that I know the channel goes from like Paris to. <laughs> so oh no yeah yeah you can take a whoa three hours and twenty nine minutes. Oh, You're I right, get San on a Diego. ferry. They have a ferry. Oh, so yeah, it's like going to San Diego. Yeah, for sure to get to Dublin. <laughs> Dublin <laughs> channel. Uh, okay, so yeah, the uh, channel goes from Paris to to um England. Uh, uh, what am I? England. Yeah, England's okay, the city. That's right? what I thought. I don't yeah. know how this <laughs> London, I think. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. I couldn't think of the fucking word London. Um, England, but yeah, it's kind a... of a trip. I, I remember I took it once and um, uh, my favorite thing that I saw was a like a random Ikea in the middle of the French countryside. And then you hit the the channel, the English channel, and the pressure just immediately hits you because you're in like a really fast train. I don't think it's a bullet train, but it's very fast. Um, One of the high, yeah, a high speed rail, a high speed yeah. rail. Yeah, it's not like the Shinkansen in uh, uh, <laughs> Japan, but it's very fast. But yeah, as soon as you hit the channel, the uh, the pressure hits you like a ton of bricks, and then you come out the other side. Damn. Um, That's why I don't travel. But at least from the scariest to Dublin, uh, yeah, you have to take a ferry. Okay, I've only got uh, let's see a couple more, one more on SoundCloud. This is a drum cover okay, for thinking wow. that's all right. It's a partial drum cover, even, uh, but it hashtag emo as fuck. So let's see mm. how this Sam Lyons. <laughs> Play your hand. 
I think just to mess with people, I would just do the stick claps the whole time like I'm going to start and just never do it. That's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do 164 count. <laughs> <laughs> or it just hit the hit like a flam right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so Don Blake's, I had down here as a uh, Total Blink-esque California. Okay. Yeah, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Don yeah, Blake, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. a little yeah, bit yeah, of that. But we already played it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I didn't realize I had that in the middle of mm. of my uh, my grouping of covers. Yeah, this is the last cover I have, yeah. and I try to put them in in kind of an order where I, hopefully the bottom ones are the most enjoyable for our listeners. But I this one is yeah, um, Forgotten Trails Gone, another band camp. Okay, I, I don't think which, I didn't find this one. I don't know how to fix this, but there's no there is no volume control on Bandcamp, right? Not that I know of. Okay, I'm gonna have to re-record these because they are literally a solid block of wave of sound on the recording because they're just so damn loud on my end. But yeah. here we go. This is Forgotten Trails Gone. Um, doing well. I think that's all. The- <laughs> a cool vibe yeah Coffee right it's got vibe. a little folksy americana and i sent you a link to take a look but it's got like uh the image in there gives me just kind of a peaceful feeling it's got the old like an old 1950s style lampshade yeah the two square uh pictures above the bed probably two separate beds two single beds you know very uh i love lucy yes totally yeah so forgotten trails i you know i i I couldn't find anything that was a really good thinking that's all, unfortunately. And maybe that means that somebody has to put one together. I found a good drum cover, but I mean, a good drum cover just sounds like Zach. So, right. Yeah. I was really hoping that the uh, Sam Lyons was going to be a little bit better, but not enough uh, stick claps at the beginning, maybe. Uh, well, after all of that marathon, oh, uh, we had housekeeping and we could just do it here at the end. Um, I did sure. want to shout out to the Blink-180 dudes. Uh, they did an Angels and Airwaves episode. They shouted us out, uh, for always being hitting the nail on the head about the, uh, the Rookie of the Year ending. Uh, yeah. when we talk about, uh, the, the way songs end. Um, so I did want to give them a shout out for uh, shouting us out on the pod. And then Ben Foote left us another voicemail. And I know I'm putting yes. you on the spot, um, but I didn't know if you had yeah. that queued up. I do absolutely have that queued up. All right, you ready to listen to Ben Foote again? Hell yeah, let's listen to Ben Foote. Our boy Ben. I, I feel like this like, worked, too. Like He mentioned something. Yo, what's that. up, guys? This is Ben Foote again. Hey, I have a lot to say about the last episode <laughs> as an audience, okay. um, but I'm going to I'm gonna try to just go down my list. I made a bunch of notes. I just finished listening to it. I needed to finish it. Um, to make sure that nothing I was going to say was going to be redundant. But here we go. The meaning of the song, I love Justin's take on it. Um, I never saw it that way. It could be that way. But um, I was kind of surprised. I always just thought this song was kind of an anti, like the anti-government song. This song is 
basically like a, I've always thought of it as a rewrite of the, your new aesthetic. And if you look at your new aesthetic, the, uh, the bridge part is very close to the bridge part in action needs an audience. So sing now while you can, while you can, right? Um, so anyway, those, those two things I feel like are super parallel. Um, and, uh, so yeah, thought that was worth mentioning. Um, and it's also worth mentioning that it, I feel like Jimmy World has like an anti-government song in every in every album except for maybe Damage. There's, yeah, great there's observation your new there. Aesthetic, um, there's there's uh, uh, um, Bleed American. There's Robot Factory. Some invented. I think it's Action Needs an Audience uh, from Surviving. Congratulations. Um, Pass the baby. Uh, they always have this kind of like nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. I think is definitely about the music industry. Um, but uh, but anyway, so that's just worth noticing. Then you guys asked if there was a song in their discography that had them switch vocals, um, and there totally is. Thinking that's all. The chorus is sung yeah. by Tom, whereas the verses are sung by Jim. And then an H model of their singles compilation, Tom sings a part of the chorus as well. Um, so there's the answer to that. Um, and then you said to call in with your thoughts of the song. I still love the song. In fact. Um, invented, I think I shared David's uh, uh, sentiment that it's not really my favorite album, but when I do listen to it, I never listen to the whole thing through. I really just kind of do my best theory, evidence, Axne's audience, invented, and mixtape, at least some of the proper songs, not the bonus tracks. Um, but Action is definitely in there. Um, I love this song. I think it's a total jam. The guitar riff is sick. Um, the fact that Tom sings it, I think, makes it better. I wish that he wrote more songs. I think his writing style is awesome. Um, and it's just a shame that uh, it kind of burnt, you know, kind of faded out. Uh, but anyway, those are my thoughts on the songs um, and uh, on the song that is. And and, uh, and hope that this was sufficient. Hell yeah! Okay, bye, dude. Always <laughs> sufficient, Ben. Always sufficient. sufficient. I think it's a really great <laughs> idea. I think, uh, I think on like the Fourth of July this year, we should dig into all the political songs on the albums. Um, yeah, I think Ben Ben is onto something there. Um, yeah, there's gonna be, we'll do the the political suite. Yeah, we'll do a patriotic uh, a Patreon episode about that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and if you want to be heard on the show, you can call us at four eight four J E Pod as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Be featured on the pod. Hear yourself. The, he is right now. He is our honorary third member of the of the pod. That's right. right yeah, so he's been on two consecutive episodes and and look at providing valid insight. Yeah, as to the band and and it, the songs with. Let's see what yeah, episode comes out this Friday. Is it all the way stay? Yeah. So we'll hear his thoughts on all the way stay on the next episode. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you better call in. <laughs> yeah. or you better have had called in you should know now two episodes ago you should have called in oh man uh anyway uh yeah there it is uh justin what are your final thoughts on the song this is such a such a the the ideal song to come into this album with um it, it slaps you in the face uh turns you around a couple of times and then slaps you in the face again uh, and then the song is just over. It's, it's kind of there in your face. I love the energy. I love that Jim screams in this. And I also love that you were able to find and extract a bunch of different versions of him singing it. And it's <laughs> it's a, a development over the years. But this is a great song. Um, you know, I'd have to listen to this album again to to give it a, a proper comparison to the other tracks. Me too. But this yeah, is I got to give this a spin. A, yeah, man. This is an A1 top-notch track, man. 
You? Yeah. It's my favorite Nirvana song. And um, <laughs> uh, I definitely think that that end of the th- third verse is a top five. I'm calling it top five moment in any Jimmy World song uh, when he screams for seconds gone. Yeah. And I love every iteration of his version of that live since. Um, and uh, I hope they continue to play it live. Yeah. And they should I'm tour with you, man. AFI so Davey Havoc can come out and sing uh, yeah. that and congratulations. <laughs> uh, without further ado, I thinking that's all that you should be excellent to each other. <laughs> and party on, dudes. Man, how are you? I'm doing good. I just uh, finished with an interview. I was doing the interviewing just up the street. And then I had to drag some kids out of a pool. They were getting, they were getting too nuts. And now I'm uh, cruising. Sick, dude. Uh, well, I wanted to thank you for taking the time uh, to come on the pod um, and uh, chat with you a little bit about your experience with Jimmy Eat World. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chris Cote from the band Cut You Up. Boom. Oh, we just right, we'll just right into it. Why not, man? We can catch up as dads anytime. <laughs> Heck yeah, I like it. Doing the dad thing is crazy. Like right now I'm hiding in a closet from my son who's taking a nap, my four-year-old, in literally the next room over. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh man, let me <laughs> let me make sure he doesn't wake up. But my wife's being cool. She's gonna um she's gonna grab him if and when uh he gets up. Oh, nice. But yeah, man. Um uh so you reached out. Obviously, I followed you. You were on a very short list of people that we sort of like blue skied when we started this project. Oh, who would we want to have on the show? And uh, your epic prank of Jimmy Eat World on the Pop Disaster Tour uh, put you on that list. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, and so I followed you. And then uh, one day you messaged me out of nowhere and you're like, oh, I got some sick stories. So I wanted to reach out and I figured... Uh, I'd give you carte blanche whatever episode you wanted to choose. You gave us a list of four, and we chose Thinking That's All, which we haven't even done the episode for, so I have no research. I'd love to hear why you love that song. I think it sounds the most like Cut You Up, like it made sense to me that you would choose a song from Static and specifically that song uh, and hear what your uh, relationship to not only the band but that song is. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the uh, the idea of kind of breaking these up into songs and when you kind of pose the, the question – I started digging a little deep. I mean, admittedly, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an indie rock snob, but I have kind of snobby tendencies. And uh, I, 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 I'm afraid I fall into the class of those people that more often than not like the, you know, the, the early stuff. To, <laughs> yeah. Not, not to uh, sound like one of those people, but <laughs> in the case of, of Jimmy Eat World, um, you know, Static Prevails to myself and I'm sure the rest of the guys in the band is really the, the album that spoke to us the most. Um, for me personally, um, I think the first time I heard this album is when I was working as a drum tech for Blink-182. Um, okay, wow. DeLong, yeah, DeLong was a huge fan of Jimmy Eat World and I was um, very staunch in my, you know, I only listened to, you know, I listened to everything, but as in terms of what I was like really hardcore into was, you know, straight up and mostly, you know, San Diego, Chicago style indie rock, you know, Drive Like Jehu, um, Shellac, Flint, 
um, Boilermaker, you know, so this, that's kind of where I consider myself a bit of a snob. All the music that, you know, the guys in Blink would show me, I would pretty much think just was terrible. And <laughs> I would always, always try to turn them on to what I thought was good music. And so this was one of the first times that I was uh, played or recommended a band that I was, that I kind of thought, okay, okay, I can get into this. And, you know, in kind of exploring this album and really diving deep, you know, all, all the songs on it, you can tell, you know, this is kind of that point in Jimmy Eat World's career where they went from, you know, indie darlings to uh, major label kind of uh, rookies. And a lot of bands at this time, 1996, this was when we were kind of seeing that next wave of indie, you know, it went from Nirvana and all those bands making that huge major label push and then kind of get down a little bit. And then in 1996, start, you know, I feel like it started again, bands like Rocket from the Crypt, you know, Jimmy Eat World and, and a lot of kind of, you'd consider them smaller bands at the time were getting that major label recognition. And it was happening in San Diego a lot. Uh, and I think it's, it's fitting because the engine or the producer, the engineer of this album, Mark Trombino, San Diego, uh, San Diego indie rock icon, drummer for Drive Like Jehu, and has recorded a ton of my favorite albums. And so when I kind of, if I could take it, you know, take the lens off of having these pop punk dudes show me this band, which immediately put a, a sour taste in my mouth because I thought that they did not have good taste in music. <laughs> so <laughs> once again, once I kind of like took off the uh, took off that prejudice, if you will. I really started to enjoy this album and thinking that's all in particular just had, you know, like you said, I'm very flattered that you likened this song to cut you up because this was kind of right up my alley of what I like to listen to guitars. They were raw and clean and yet still punchy and powerful. A lot of layers in this song. And to me, this is the peak of when, you know, Tom and, and uh, what Atkins, Tom and uh, Jim. Here I am trying. Yeah, Tom and Jim. I'm trying to sound like a Jimmy Eat World expert, and I can't even remember the real thing. <laughs> this is, this was when Tom and Jim, I feel like, were at their peak of powers in terms of trading off on vocals. And I love the way that uh, Tom sings, and so it was cool to to hear those guys on this album and this song in particular going back and forth. And there's you know there's there's youthfulness in both of their voices and it just still has that kind of wild indie rock sensibility but you can also tell you know it's a little bit more polished than you know maybe some of their previous stuff but you know this this to me was to have this song as the first song on this album too is is really it's a great gateway drug because you know this song is it, it rips it has speed tempos it has stops and starts which to me is kind of the the benchmark for all good indie rock got to have some good low to high, you know, quiet to loud, stop and start. And, you know, this song in particular has all of that. So I, I, I really feel like this was, to me, this was, and, it, and I probably, you know, I don't know if this is flattering or not, but to me, this was the peak, um, which is kind of sad to say because what they had 10 albums after that, but I really was. <laughs> it's the peak of focused. an era for sure. Definitely. And, you know, in, in reading some of the interviews and stuff with them, they uh, they had mentioned influences and, and screamo and you know things like that that 
it was pretty cool that this was that, like you said, the, the peak of this genre, the peak of this era. Era. Yeah. So it was a you know it was a fairly easy choice when uh when you proposed that question. <laughs> so what year about was this that you were introduced to Static? This had to have been ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, so really um, early on. So you're te- you're drum tech then for Rainer at the time. I started, yeah, started with Rainer and then switched over to Travis for about a year and a half. So I was probably eight, six or eight months with Rainer and a year and a half with Travis. Nice. And before going on Pop Disaster Tour, had you had inter- any interaction with Jimmy Eat World? At this point, they're just a band that had put out a dope record that finally you liked. The guys from Blink maybe have some taste. <laughs> um, and uh, And so Pop Disaster Tour comes around and they're on it, and you guys are uh, uh, limping on it, but on it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, is that the um, first time you got to meet them? Yeah, that's, that was definitely the, the first time we got to meet and hang out. We had uh, some bands, uh, friends in common with other bands, um, and I don't know if I had seen them play anywhere before this. I know that um, you know I had listened to this album front to back for all the time. And so we were, we were probably as, you know, probably most excited to watch them, you know, Green Day and Blink, of course, they were at the peak of their powers in that time as well. But the music that we liked more fell in line with what Jimmy Eat World was doing. And, you know, we felt, we felt kind of a, a kinship to them because, you know, we were, they were kind of technically the real opening band, but we were opening for the opening band somewhere else on the premises. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know them, and I think at first they were, like most people on the tour, just going, why are these guys here? Who are these guys? And pretty quickly, uh, we started, you know, we got pretty close with uh, Rick and Tom. Um, They would come watch us play. Uh, They would, you know, they would let us in their dressing room, let us drink their booze every once in a while. (laughs) And so we really, yeah, we we developed a pretty rad friendship with those guys. Um, Jim was... Jim and the drummer were kind of more of the serious guys in the band. Jim was, they, they were both super cool at, at first. Um, but uh, Jim kind of <laughs> probably, Jim had, Jim had had enough of us probably like halfway through their time on the tour. And their drummer had had enough of us after like two, two days on the tour. <laughs> That's and it was funny to see, uh, yeah, Tom and Rick would be like, no, 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 these guys are cool, these guys are cool. And they're like, get them out of the dressing room. Oh, bring them in here. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was all good. Like we were all friends, but you know, cut you up at the time could be considered one of the more annoying bands out there. So we definitely wore 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 on some people, but you know, Tom Tom and Rick in particular were just always super rad to us, and it, you know, it seemed like they were into the music we were playing and kind of what we were doing. So uh, yeah, we 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 developed a pretty good friendship. With oh, that's guys. good. That's good to hear, man. I love that. Um, it's funny cause we just had a guest on, uh, this guy, Eric Grubbs, who's got a couple books about early, uh, emo and hardcore. And, uh, he said he had a pretty bad interaction with Jim and a lukewarm interaction with Zach, the drummer. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting that, uh, <laughs> that you're now the second person that, I mean, here's the thing is you're not bad mouthing them and neither did he. But it's very much like people who do suffer fools and are like and are cool with having a little bit of fun, and people who don't suffer fools. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and they were very gracious to us and super and really nice. But you know, like we were so annoying. I wouldn't, I I, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't slight anyone for not wanting to be around us at that time. We were, sure. we were horrible. And and you would say, I mean, the documentary makes it look like a pretty like wild slice of uh, this is the uh, writing in bands with boys documentary uh, seems like a pretty wild slice of time. And would you say that it's pretty much exactly as debaucherous and ridiculous as it looked? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually what was what was shown was even a little bit less than what actually happened. But, oh, man. You know, the, the video is, is itself is really true to form. And, you know, we got a lot of. We got a lot of reactions from all the the guys in all the bands. Uh, the weird part about it was Saves the Day was Saves the Day actually replaced Jimmy Eat World on the tour, and they didn't get as much shine as Jimmy Eat World got. I'm not sh- I don't really remember why, but I just remember that you know Jimmy Eat World was on a pretty quick trajectory. They had a Herculean task of trying to open up for Blink and Green Day and every night Blink and Green Day would switch off headlining. So it was this crazy, this is something that you couldn't really get from the documentary is how competitive those two bands were. Mm. And by the end of the tour, you know, it was, while it was, you know, it was a traveling freak show, a circus on wheels and everybody was getting along, but there was an underlying who's the king of punk mentality between those two bands. Yeah, And, you know, for Jimmy Eat World, I, I think that, you know, they were big enough at the time to where people knew a lot of their songs. I think Sweetness was pretty popular at the time. So they had, like, hits for that audience. But that audience was rabid for Blink and for Green Day. So it would have been tough for any band to, uh, to open up. But I think Jimmy Eat World, each and every show, I mean, they played so tight and precise. Jim's singing sounded amazing. And for us, you know, like for myself, I was such a fan of both of those guys singing. And this is where they kind of started to switch more into Jim taking the majority of the vocals with Tom kind of taking a back seat. So it was, you know, I, I, again, I'm like more leaning on the the Tom side. I just, I really liked the tone of his voice throughout this whole album. And so I, I was kind of hoping to see more of that. But, yeah, um, like like more rock star and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but it, you know, again, it was to see those guys every single night, to see and hear how tight they were was always an inspiration for us. Um, you know, and they were they were they were pretty serious. In, you know, in you could tell like they wanted to be a big band. They wanted to be on that level with Blink and Green Day. And you, I think you can tell with their releases releases after this. And you know, mm. they just kind of get they get more and more polished and they get uh you know, the sound gets let's say more professional because to me static prevails is just as good as anything, but you know, they uh you can just kind of hear the the difference as they go along album to album. Yeah, I, I I could see that from especially from somebody who's like super into static prevails. And then yeah, that makes a lot of sense after b- playing on a big tour like that and having a record like Bleed American that you are going to chase sort of a different dragon and start a different era of the band. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, yeah. It's interesting. You're also, so we had Davey Von Bolin on this, on the, uh, uh, praise chorus episode. And, uh, he talked about when he was touring with them in the promise ring, how good they were live. Like it was like, there's no reason that they should be this good. They're just a small band playing house shows with us but they're so good live. And that was sort of a testament to how 
they pushed and pushed and pushed to become this huge like headliner band. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, there was there was a couple bands at that time where you started to really tell the difference between you know just the hardcore indie rock band that was going to play cool venues with cool bands and you know for me I can really appreciate Jimmy Eat World because of their history with bands like Promise Ring um you know uh Sunny Day Real Estate all, all these kind of bands that I worship and Jimmy Eat World was kind of next to them on the fringes I, I would say a little bit sure of of what those bands were doing but I I can always appreciate where a band comes from and what scene they developed from yeah and so that was kind of another reason why, you know, I, I was excited to meet these guys and to play with them and kind of why I uh, accepted them into my snobby record collection. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and, you know, and think, you know, if you kind of can pair up bands, it's, it's weird for me because I am so, like, I'm, I'm very into a certain type of music and those are the, the references that I think of when I, when I think of Cut You Up, but we're always still kind of lumped into the, pop punk emo uh movement mostly because of you know that was kind of our biggest our biggest deal was right touring with blank and green day and also the time we were coming up and we we were helped out a lot by atticus which was a basically a pop punk emo clothing company and Macbeth's shoes which was the same thing <laughs> so fittingly so we got lumped into that genre whereas i would more i would rather us be lumped into the drive like jehu uh you know i don't want to say cool kid genre yeah yeah yeah. a guy, a guy can a guy can dream but i felt like jimmy at world's roots were deep enough into indie rock that i was i was you know accepting of of where where their where their trajectory was i definitely that. see the cloth being the same for sure yeah and yeah, then you know Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you, you'd mentioned how they were on the fringes of that scene, but getting somebody like uh, the nod and the support from Mark Trombino is going to legitimize them in, in, a, in a way. Yeah. You know, and, and it's weird. You know, for me, it's like if I see Mark Trombino's name on anything, I'm in. And I know that <laughs> yeah. he does a ton of different bands. It's the same with Steve Albini. If I see that Steve Albini do it, did it and I don't know anything about the band, I'm going to listen to it just just to hear what steve albini did um you know and again like he does all kinds of different music but if his name is attached i'm interested and that's the same with mark trombino um and i think this was an album that definitely helped vault mark, mark trombino into that the the into the light of big big time production because it is you know it is so it's funny that it's called static prevails when it is so clean and crisp and clear um which was is something that most most of the time for me is is, is kind of a a, a downside uh, or the downturn of a band right they get big and then they get this big producer tons of money to record and all of a sudden it doesn't sound like anything that i wanted the band to sound like sure cleaning up all um, of the but, human elements of the record yeah but i don't know there was something different here there was still that toe in the indie rock water with kind of the, the pop sensibility and uh, you know, I think and and the music is is punk enough. It's these guys are ripping. Well, especially and, yeah, yeah, for an opening track, and you got a scream from Jim. It's tight. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, there are. This is one of those songs that they will still trot out every now and again. I saw them play it at the Will Turn recently, and what's funny is 
you get the 20 uh, the, at the time it was the 2018 version but you know the modern version of Jimmy Eat World playing a Static Prevail song specifically this one with like sort of dissonant guitars and cool like like the whole bridge is like a lot of feedback and just like complete like going nuts on the neck of the guitar not really playing much of anything just making noise and how the polished band's interpretation of that is because Jim's voice is so clean and clear now but he's still pulling off especially like I gave a nod to my buddy at that will turn show is like he's about to scream right now <laughs> and he did it and I was like there's probably casual fans here who know you know bleed American and futures and stuff like that that don't really know this song I wonder what's going through their head right now <laughs> they're like what are these nerds talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I and I feel like uh there is, I don't want to say a curse, but a lot of times the, you know, the, the major label debut or the, the first kind of real proper album that a band does is to me more often than not their best album. And that probably has a lot to do with expectations just being low or n none at all. Um, you know, I think in the, in the case of Jimmy Eat World is, you know, they, like I said, they were kind of hovering around the periphery. We had friends in common that I would see at like house parties and stuff. Um, you know, there's a, a, a band called Jay June. There was a band Boilermaker, uh, this band Braid, uh, that were kind of like, you know, we, we kind of knew these guys, but not really. And then all of a sudden, oh, there was one band, Ruben's Accomplice. Mm, actually. Yeah. And they're, I think they're from Mesa, Arizona as well, or somewhere in Arizona. They actually came and they had a show canceled. And so a bunch of friends of, of mine, I had them play in front of uh, in front of their dad's like warehouse. We didn't, they didn't have anywhere to play because their show got canceled. So they played in front of this warehouse, and we all got to talking and hanging out. And it turned out that Ruben's accomplice was tight with the Jimmy World guys, and so we had all these kind of friends and people in common. So that kind of was an indication of like, oh, okay, like these guys are reachable. You know, they're not Led Zeppelin. They're not the <laughs> Beatles. Like you can actually probably see them somewhere cool and all ages show casbah or wherever and uh you're not going to be sitting in nosebleeds yet that all changed quickly but it was pretty cool to kind of you know we had a little a little bit of insight to them before we actually met them and this was probably right around the time that i was introduced to the band that's awesome man and then you yeah. go on that tour and uh so was jimmy world supposed to play the whole thing and then dropped out halfway randomly or was that always the plan as far as I can remember, they had a European tour already scheduled. Okay. And so it wasn't, they didn't get in trouble or anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you guys have this amazing prank, which is like one of my favorite parts of the documentary. Uh, I think Tom goes on to say that he cl he's cleaned his guitar like four times and he's still finding glitter all over the place. Um, yeah. Is there anything you remember specifically from that? Like, did, were you worried I, I guess with everything you'd gotten away with on that tour, probably not. But were you worried about any backlash from production or the bands or anything about pulling something like that off? Oh no, that was a that was a sanctioned attack <laughs> um, by, by all parties. Uh, the guys in Jimmy Eat World had no idea what was happening. It was the their last show on the tour, and so it was. I don't remember. It was. I remember it was one of the bigger venues, you know, big outdoor shed type of thing, and sold out, just packed. And Jimmy Eat World was, you know they were obviously celebrating because they were finishing up this giant, probably the biggest tour they'd ever done and then going to Europe the next day. So for them, it was a double celebration. 
And for us, I, I don't remember exactly. We were always up for anything. So <laughs> I don't remember exactly who brought it up. It was probably the Blink dudes because they were, I think, the kind of the friend, the best friends with those guys. And they're like, all right, we're going to Target or something and we're buying all this stuff. Are you guys ready to attack Jimmy Eat World during their last song? And we were like, of course. <laughs> and so we all got our underwear on and or Speedos or whatever we were wearing. And we were probably hammered at this point. You know, usually we were usually uh, already deep into party mode by the time Jimmy Eat World was starting. Yeah. Because that would have been like 6 p.m. or something. Oh, so we were ready to go. And <laughs> we, you know, there was there was no regard for equipment or personnel on that stage. <laughs> we went out there and just blasted them. And you can see it on their face. I mean, they, they, they loved it. They thought it was hilarious. And uh, hopefully we didn't like ruin any of their equipment. I don't really, we, you know, we kind of, uh, like I said, they were a very, you know, they were a relatively, they were a serious band. They had this drive and like, they were real musicians. We were not, we were there to get crazy. And so after the tour, we kind of didn't, you know, we didn't really have much more in common. So we had it. I don't think we, I think we talked a little bit after that tour, maybe saw them play a couple more times, but um, hadn't, hadn't, haven't really spoken to those guys in a long time. I actually saw them maybe two summers ago up at, in Orange County at a, they had played this big kind of surf event thing. And I was standing, I like walked right up front and I was trying to wave at Tom or one of the guys in the band and it was just kind of hectic. They didn't see me. So I'm like, well, I guess, I guess we don't know each other anymore. Well, also is fine. And, and that's a good pivot. So since, really then and i it's i don't know how because you know early stages of social media but i've always sort of kept up with you and saw your like trajectory through trans world and and now you're like this huge i I don't know maybe i'm overstating it but mogul and like the surf community uh which is amazing because that's how you that's you're living the dream a little bit like growing up surfing right in san diego and now you're like the face of it a little bit media wise um, they probably wouldn't have expected to ever see the guy from Cut You Up in that role. <laughs> like a normal person. <laughs> like normal guy who's media, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, it was funny. So when we went out on that tour, I was rising through the ranks of Transworld Surf and kind of starting to do more stuff with Fuel TV and more commentary work at surfing events. So, you know, it I, it, it wasn't... It was kind of that decision when I got back from Pop Disaster Tour, all right, I need to really apply myself to one or the other. I, I knew full well that to be in a successful band, you had to pretty much dedicate your life, your blood, your sweat, your tears, every relationships, everything had to be fully dedicated to making it as a band. And I, I felt like it was kind of the same with my career at the time. I was, you know my boss at the time was cool enough to let me go on tour for two months. And then I came back and he's like, okay, back to work, let's go. (laughs) And it was pretty quick. And so things started moving fast there. And I, and I, you know, I kind of started, I I kind of realized quick, I leaned into the career at the time. And, you know, it was cool because my band was, this was fun for us. And while, you know, a, a huge regret would be not at least giving it more of a shot without, partying so much and kind of ruining that shot you know we had that kind of the golden ticket through the pop disaster tour and if we were smart about it we would have chilled out a little bit on the party and we would have gone back to some of those cities that we had 
mm. some kind of, you know, like some kind of reputation in, you know, I, I feel like we, we definitely had a, a missed opportunity there. We tried to go back and tour Texas with a couple bands and <laughs> that right there was proof that we were not mature enough to be in a traveling rock and roll band. <laughs> so, but we see, you know, for, for me, it's like the whole thing now is I'm super thankful looking back at all that. And I'm happy that kid, you know, kids, well, they were kids. Now they're adults like us reach out and tell, tell us what cut you up meant to them. And, you know, we're still trying to record music. We're still trying to play shows and, adulthood has gotten in the way slightly but and global pandemics have definitely you know, we were on a little bit of a roll playing a couple of shows in the last couple of months yeah but this, this global pandemic really that that's what we can blame yeah man. Downfall of, <laughs> no, even me like around. i'm here yeah. working at home on <laughs> like edit stuff uh just because i can't go into the office so <laughs> yeah yeah same and you know my work nowadays is mostly all done via well it's all done via the computer so thankfully I, I can still do all my uh you know surf and skate commentary and production and broadcasting and you know hosting via via the internet so it's i'm very thankful in that that it is kind of a bummer not to be able to go to shows and or play shows because i'm sure like you i, I shit for a while i was going to you know for the last, I don't know, decade, I probably went to a show a week at least. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's a trip, man. Um, and so now, uh, here we are, like you said, in 2020, we're uh, other than being in a global pandemic, uh, you do have a very popular podcast, your, uh, Monday mass, which is your action sports yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the world's greatest action sports podcast, according to me, <laughs> I voted it. I and that's all that matters. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, man. We, <laughs> I have about I, I don't know, I think I have four four I guess I don't even know what you'd pod, podcast slash blog slash live internet broadcast happening congruently throughout the week. Wow. So uh, outside yeah. of the Monday morning mass, what else is there? Because that's the one that's the one I feel like I get I see the most push on. So that's why that one yeah. came to mind. Yeah, we got the Monday mass that that hits Monday. Um I do a show called World Surf Weekly with uh, the World Surf League, which is the governing body of uh, competitive surfing. Um, so I do that every week, and that show is put together throughout the week. It also comes out on Monday. Um, I do a show on Fridays called Do Tour Live, which is kind of a placeholder for when they actually are going to be able to do these big skate events and snow events again. So this is kind of a way to keep the hype rolling, I guess. So that's yeah. every Friday. Um I shoot World Surf Weekly on Thursdays and then fill up the in-between parts with uh, some some other kind of uh, gigs here and there, doing stuff with the, the Olympic surfing uh, that's going to be happening in 2021. And still, uh, what, three days ago, I went and recorded a, I, I call it a demo, but I think it's just me screwing around at my office recording music. <laughs> um, but I have a, I have a, a little... I have a little trailer that's uh, just about a mile from my house and it's kind of tucked away. No, I'm the only one in there. So it's, it's all good and safe for me to go in. And I have, you know, I got my whole setup. I got bass, guitar, keyboard, electric drums, and I have a, a, a looping pedal that has changed everything for me Oh man! In, in terms of playing music. So I have a, a bunch of releases that I've put up 
on Spotify and stuff, just Chris Cote solo. And it's just weird stuff that I, <laughs> that if I presented it to anyone and cut you up, they'd go, I don't know if this is right for us. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's just another way to get your, yeah, it feels good get to get it out, man. Right, get your yayas out. Yeah. And now, nowadays with TuneCore, with Spotify, with GarageBand, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so easy to, it's not easy to make a song good, but it's easy to make a song and get it out. Good Absolutely, or bad. yeah. Most of mine are bad, but they're out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I got I I bought one of those like little Apogee jams. It's like a little USB quarter inch adapter that you can plug into your USB port. And I recorded a ton of stuff. I think I did a song a day for like fourteen days. Where I would and it's all based on loop. So I just record like a little four bar and loop it. And then by the end of the day, I'd have like a finished song. And then at the end, I didn't know what to do with it, but I'm looking at my three-year-old and I'm like, I'm going to do nursery rhymes. So I just took all that same music and just threw like Little Miss Muffet at it and London Bridge and like, you know, whatever it comes out as. Yeah, I wouldn't pitch it to any band, but <laughs> it came out kind of cool. So cool. It's, it's so rad though, because, you know, again, it's like we used to have to go into the studio and make a CD and they have boxes of CDs. I probably have like 400 cut you up CDs in my closet somewhere. Um, you know, this way, it's, if, if people start to like it, then you go, okay, well, maybe I'll press a seven inch or maybe I'll put it on something other than this. But uh, I, lo I just love the accessibility and ease of being able to record a song and put it out there. And, uh, you know, again, I, th I think the one cool thing right now that we're all experiencing is a different way to enjoy, to, you know, be involved with live music where at, at any given time throughout the day, you can look at your phone and go, oh, wow, okay. You know, Pink Floyd is live on their Instagram right, right yeah. now. You know? <laughs> and so there, there's, for for as much as you're at a show and the the person in front of you is holding their phone up for the entire song and you're like, this dumbass, you have to be thankful for it sometimes because now when you go onto YouTube and you can literally punch, punch in any song of any band and some video is going to pop up, <laughs> that is that is thank you to those people that I usually make fun of at shows who are holding their song up for the whole phone. So if you did that and I was giving you shit at the show, I'm sorry. I appreciate being able to watch, you know, that's a TV really static prevails live in Mesa, Arizona from 1995 or whatever. Yeah, man. That's so funny. We are totally like digging through those, those uh, videos now for our show. And uh, it's a trip for sure. And like, yeah, that's what an interesting perspective to see like because yeah everybody razzes those guys and now they've got their comeuppance now they now <laughs> yeah and i didn't even think about it until i was looking for something very obscure and this was you know like this is, looks like it was shot on a blackberry or something but this you know you find these bands you're going oh my god thank god somebody <laughs> held up their phone yeah. you know it's like and as much as i'm i i, I will i film something you know i film a little bit of every show but yeah. I really try to, you know, film just a little bit, look around. Am I in anybody's way? Yeah. I, I don't want to be that guy. Um, you know, and that's like to, to sh a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll be at these weird little obscure shows and I just want people to know about this band that I'm watching. Yeah. And so it's not because I, I want to like prove that I was at this show and that I'm a cool guy out at night. It's because I want to celebrate the band that I'm watching. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way where I'll, I'll, I'll try to record the smallest snippet and then I go home and I watch it back and I'm like, Oh, that's all I recorded. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I wish I would have gotten 30 seconds yeah. instead of 15. Yeah. I didn't even get the bridge. <laughs>
Oh, man. Well, Chris, I really want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. I don't want to take you up uh, anymore. Um, but uh, really, thank you for coming on, recounting your days and your memories with Jimmy Eat World, going on tour, and uh, and those early days of the, the songs that you're really into. For sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and I love what you guys do. I'm a music lover like you, so I'm definitely I've definitely gone down the Jimmy Eat World podcast wormhole. So I've been a, I've been a fan for a minute. So thanks for having me on for sure. Yeah, for sure, man.